This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, another week of the opening kickoff, and it's going to be a good one, boys and girls. Thanks for making us part of your morning. Mark and Lee and Triple G in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP. You guys can jump in on the conversation at 694-1055. And, of course, always in the app at WNSP.com. Happy Monday to you, Mr. Shervanian. Happy Monday to you. And, and obviously, the week uh, with the NFL draft is going to be the priority. You'll hear all kinds of rumors and so forth. We're gearing up for the big party on uh, fr- on Thursday. You ready for that? I am ready. The question is, are you guys ready for our NFL draft party Thursday at walk-ons. That's right. We're headed over there on Thursday. We'll be broadcasting the final drive, 3-6, to six, uh, leading up to the NFL draft. Come out and see Michael and Corey and all our WNSP personalities as the draft starts. So does our NFL draft challenge where you guys will predict the top 10 draft uh, picks. Players, not necessarily teams, because there's a little talk there about what happens at number two. But as long as you get uh, the players right, you get points. The closer you get, by the way, Triple G is going to be out there calculating and doing his thing. The winner, the winner is going to get a Traeger grill from um, Bailey's TV and Mattress. And we have a Bryce Young jersey from The Vault. We'll have some uh, other door prizes, some WNSP t-shirts. We just got some new a new order in. It's going to be a lot of fun. So come out and see us at Walk-Ons on Thursday. Uh, it starts at 3 with the uh, final drop, and of course, we'll take you through the draft. We'll be talking to uh, a reporter up there in North Carolina today to see what direction he thinks Carolina will go, if in fact he thinks uh, Bryce Young. So we'll be concentrating on the draft, also concentrating on Alabama's AD scrimmage. Uh, we'll talk to some of the reporters today who were there and, and got a glimpse of what to expect for the uh, coming year. But, Mark, with the draft, I get, and I'm only guessing on this that the NFL has got to be happy. This is draft week. I was really surprised at the story that broke on Friday, but there hasn't been more to it. Follow up on internet sites, national writers who just jump on stories about the gambling uh, with the five players being suspended. I remember a year ago when Ridley was suspended. I mean, this is a big story. People writing about it, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that was like the first time in, in a long time that an NFL player had been suspended. Now you had five, four Detroit Lions, including uh, former Alabama wide receiver and first-round pick Jamison Williams, among the five players that had been suspended. And I'll get to the names in just a minute. Most of you probably don't know most of the other names in this. But I thought there'd be, like, follow-up with uh, – USA Today reporters, uh, Yahoo Sports reporters. But I, I have a feeling maybe the draft is just overshadowing everything right now. But in essence, what happened over the weekend that Williams and a Lion teammate, uh, Stanley Berryhill, suspended six games. They, according to the NFL report, bet on college games at the Lions facility. So they just get six games. They're out for six games. Two other Lions, uh, Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore, suspended indefinitely meaning they're out for a year they can reapply for reinstatement but the lions immediately cut ties with them they were suspended for gambling on nfl games and the fifth with the washington commanders defensive end uh, shaka tony 
and he too has been suspended for the entire year. So basically, you had the two Lions, Williams and Berryhill, bet on college games inside the Lions facility, as it's reported. Three others bet on NFL games. They're out for the year. Look, it's such a fine line when these guys start betting on anything. You know, we always talk about uh, Pete Rose and the integrity of the game, and people, I don't fully, I think people don't fully understand or grasp what that means. When you open this Pandora's box and somebody bets on the wrong thing, it has the potential and I might be, uh, I know people are going to think I'm overstating this, blowing up the whole damn thing. It is so, so dangerous for these guys to start betting. And when you start betting in the clubhouse, you start betting on college games, and then a guy starts betting on NFL games, and then, you know, does he start betting on his own team? Does he start betting against his team? They start bo betting the point spread like we're talking about point shaving scandals, and we're talking, it's just, you have the you have the you run the risk of giving the whole sport a black eye, which is why so many people were against the idea of betting or placing bets in the first place. There are always going to be those who say, "What's the big deal? They weren't even betting on their games," and I totally get it. But as soon as that one guy steps over that line, you start to question anything, right? How many how many times have we heard in the last year that the the NFL is scripted, right? <laughs> Or any sport for that matter. The, the conspiracy theories get out there. It's hard to maintain the integrity of any sports uh, industry when you start hearing s stories like this. You know, so Mark, what ran through my mind was number one, five players. Like last year, it was isolated. Ridley, okay, one player they caught. Now there's five. Does that mean there's a bunch more out there that are gambling? And does it matter? Currently, to the NFL, it matters if you bet at the facility or off the facility. All right, so they give uh, Jamison Williams, who came on and, and did okay. He, I mean, he was out most of the year last year, but they're counting on him to be, you know, their big receiver, and he'll sit out the first six games. But because he bet on college games instead of NFL games, he gets more of a pass than the other players. But I'm wondering how deep this really goes. And, you know, the NFL prides itself on branding and image and things like that. And the last thing they need is to have players suspended or in a position where they are gambling, uh, gambling on games and so forth. That's why I'm so surprised this, this, this story has kind of passed by. And I, I'm wondering if it's because it's the draft that's coming up that people are so concerned about the draft. And, you know, there, there's more attention given to that. Because, like I said, with the Ridley case, it became a huge story. This has kind of just been breezed over with. Uh, NBA games yesterday. Uh, obviously, the Kings-Warriors game took priority because it was such a close game because of Steph Curry. Uh, calling a timeout when they didn't have one. I like the way Steve Kerr came to his defense, though, and he took the blame. He didn't blame Curry, blamed himself for not reminding the team that they did not have a timeout when they were in the huddle with about 40 seconds to go or whatever, how much time to go. And they almost blew it, but they won. So now the series tied it, too. It's been the most exciting of the series so far. Yeah, and Golden State, very fortunate they got out of that with a win. I think I – think What's interesting about that is how it's so rare for any team to be out of timeouts with that much time left on the clock, right? That's what got my attention. Like, um, you got to be kidding. No timeouts. The Kings just couldn't capitalize it because they played, they had some really bad possessions. I watched most of that game. They had some really bad possessions down the stretch. 
where they forced some shots they really didn't need to. Uh, and they had a good Curry, look there at the end. They had a great look at the end. They, they probably should have knocked that one down. What about Curry, though, with about 12 seconds ago, took a shot? They had a lot of time left yeah. on the clock. Did he force that shot? I didn't see that part of it. But yeah, I, I thought it? there were – yeah, well – I think the definition of forcing a shot for Steph is probably different right. than most of us in the world. But I, uh, I I didn't think there was good basketball played at all at the end of that game. As good as that game was leading up to the end, I thought it was I thought it was really bad basketball at the end of that game. Aaron Fox wanted the last shot, but I think they double teamed him. So he found his teammate Harrison Barnes, who once played for the Warriors, and he's the one that missed a three that could have given the Kings a three games to one lead going back to Sacramento, as it is that series tied at two. The other game, which I saw a lot more of, and I and I listened to my buddy Bob Rathman call the game, and got to tell you, Bob was, uh, let's say, very pro-Hawks in that game when it came to the officiating. Is that a good I, way to I, say I it? Think, I think that's probably and, a fair And I'm question. watching it, and I even missed, and again, I don't, this happened in the third quarter. I don't know if this would have changed the outcome. The Hawks were on a run, and... He Bob claimed all three officials missed a defensive goaltending call, which would have given the uh, Hawks two more points and, I mean, drawn that much closer. But the, the storyline here is not so much the fact the Celtics won in lead three games to one, but Murray, the guard, after the game, according to reports, maybe, I don't say maybe, maybe bumped, shoved, touched, a game official, so they're investigating to see if that's the case. And if it is, they usually take a hard line on this. They may sit him down for game five. And let's face it, the Hawks need everybody on board. Do the Hawks need everybody on board there, Nick? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be very beneficial. You know, Friday night, their bench contributed like 40-something points, and then last night, I think they've had 10. Uh I mean, they tried, man. But look, can can we just? I think this weekend proved two things for Trey Young and for Russell Westbrook, the two most disrespected players in the NBA. They both came out and they put on a show and did everything they needed to for their team to win. Did their teams win? No, but they did everything they needed to. So. I'm now, this is an official, the first ever Nick Wiggins ban. I am banning any Russell Westbrook slander on this show. Because Russell Westbrook is the embodiment of everything you two want in an NBA player and in the NBA. So we can no longer say anything negative about him. Does that sound fair? No, I don't think you're going to get. I, I don't think you're going <laughs> to get away with that. So I will give him credit, though. He has had some marvelous games, but you know what? He's had to, thanks to Kawhi Leonard deciding that uh, he's not ready to play in these playoff games, and of course George is out. So he becomes now a guy that was coming off the bench for the Lakers. He becomes, I guess, one of their top options. Uh, he, he did respond well. I was happy. I watched Trey Young yesterday. Well, I watched the game. It's just Boston has so much firepower. I mean, yeah. the Hawks, I thought, were gritty. They hung in there. But at the end, it's too much Tatum, too much Brown, too much Smart. It's, it's just they shoot so well. 
And the Hawks just don't have that kind of firepower. I, I know they're going to have to make changes. I don't know if Quinn Snyder really likes the team that he has. I was hoping they'd win and get it back to Boston 2-2, but as it now stands, three games to one Boston. All right, let me ask you. I want I want to say two things about the NBA, uh, not specifically about those games, but I need y'all's help on this. the The first one is because um, we talked about Draymond last, I think a little bit last week. He was not. He missed three layups, three layups yesterday. I mean, he was awful offensively. He was not good. Uh, so I'll say that. But the other thing I need to say is I don't know if I have a firm grasp of what a flagrant two is anymore because, and I'm not a Dylan Brooks fan by any stretch, nor am I a huge LeBron. I, mean, I don't care one way or the other. But so Dylan Brooks gets ejected after hitting LeBron in the groin. Was it Saturday night? Yeah. Yes, there was contact. I felt like LeBron changed directions and Brooks tried to get out there. I don't I I thought that was overplayed a little bit. And here's the thing though, they're not suspending him whereas they suspended Draymond Green. So that's added to a little bit of NBA controversy. Why does Brooks not get suspended but Green does? I just I Well, Dylan Brooks didn't hit LeBron in the nuts and then go to the crowd and start cheering like, "Yeah, I hit him in the nuts." Yeah, so what are you going to do about it? I just I don't I didn't think it was worthy of a flagrant at all. I just think it was one of those but bang bang plays. Those who support Green will point out Dylan Brooks has a history of technical fouls and would be in if not right up there side by side with Green, not far behind when it comes to that type of play that uh, his his number of technicals. Did you but did y'all think he intentionally tried to hit him in the nuts? No, I didn't, but I did not. And and why would if you're gonna hit somebody <laughs> if you're gonna hit him, hit him. Yeah, but if you're gonna say it, don't you do it like in the offensive end where everybody's crowded around and you can't see? This was out in open court in the back court, right? I just, wasn't it in the back court where it happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so visible LeBron to did everybody. Wrap around, kind right. of crossed, and yeah. And he if you're gonna, if you're gonna get somebody, there, do it in a got scrum. Got a handful. Get us in a scrum in the lane when nobody, you know, got so many bodies around you and you can't really tell. And maybe here an elbow, here an elbow, there. Why do it out in the open court? Do you think it was intentional, Nick? Uh, you know, like Lee was saying, he's got a history of doing things that are intentional, and he tries to play it off like it's not. I don't know if, like, in that moment, Dylan Brooks was like, oh, what a perfect opportunity to smack him in the la balls or anything. <laughs> the la balls. You know, I, I tuned into that game after watching a, a different type of sport. I think it was what in forty-two to sixteen at that time. I, I missed the the James thing because it was such a rout at the time. Although it wound up being kind of a close game, be, I, they had no chance to win. But Morant had a really great fourth quarter. But the thing about Dylan Brooks, had he not gone on record with that old man crap at the end of the game, remember we talked oh, yeah. about that? Oh, yeah. How it could come back to haunt him. I think that had something to do with that flagrant foul too. Even though I agree with you, I don't think it should have been called. I'm with you. I don't. There, there was a flagrant one yesterday in the. Uh, Nick, do you remember the flagrant one in the Hawks game yesterday? I'm trying to think. I, I, the games all come together. Watching four games yesterday, but I think there was a flagrant one, but I couldn't remember who did it or why, and it was very questionable. I don't know. I do not recall. All right, so we'll talk about that moving forward. 
Uh, we have to get to A day. Um, but let's, so let's do this. Let's get you a traffic weather, a scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, we're going to talk to the Bayside baseball coach, Matt Limbaugh, at 630. Um, Rodney Orr on A-Day at 7. Ross Jackson on what the Saints are going to do this Thursday at, uh, at 730. Um, we're actually going to go up to uh, North Carolina and, uh, and talk some Carolina Panthers at 8 o'clock. And Mike Rodak, my colleague at AL.com, also on A-Day at 830. Uh, continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It wasn't a great day in Tuscaloosa. We'll get to that here we when we come back. We were really wrong on the crowd turnout. Yeah, well, so I, 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 I was. I have a conspiracy theory on that. But uh, we'll get to it all coming up next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Dan Jennings with the Washington Nationals, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 24, welcome back in. The opening kickoff on this Monday edition. Uh, not a whole lot to write home about on the old Alabama A Daily. Not to be too negative, but is there any time that there is on one of these games? Because for whatever reasons, this seems to be less and less. I mean, it's so vanilla, and we say this every year, and I don't think anybody really came away from there thinking, well, this guy is definitely the number one quarterback, or he's not. It's too soon to tell. So usually in a, that's why we oftentimes play down spring games. And But that being said, we were way off on our attendance figures. I said 38,000. I was surprised to see in print 58,000 at Brian Thinning. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure there weren't that many people there, as always the case, but it, it was certainly higher than you and I anticipated. So kudos to Alabama fans for showing up for what uh, proved to be or a disappointing day. Was it jacked up? Was the attendance? Oh, it's always jacked up. My whole my whole thing was in in retrospect, and I probably we didn't talk about this on Friday. I think my conspiracy theory is that they were always going to have a higher attendance announced than what Colorado. Uh, Colorado's capacity is just as a subtle shot at ESPN to let everybody know that we got more fans here than they do at Colorado. You picked Dion's, you picked Dion's spring game over us, but we had more fans. That's that's my conspiracy theory. But I'll give it to the Colorado fans though. They it was snowing, it was cold. They went out there to support him. Uh, they seat forty five thousand. They had they filled it up last year when. He was not their coach. They had 2,000, I think. They had one of the worst records, if not the worst record in college football. So, you know, obviously Dion being the promoter that he is, he was doing everything besides coaching. If he wanted to do that, leading the band. Uh, I don't know. Did he even lead the mascot onto the field? I know he kind of. I know he had a big cowboy hat on. Uh, yes, he did. No, Dion's a, he, no, he's a promoter, and he did a great job. Obviously, I don't know if they charged to get into the game, but ESPN went out there and, and did a broadcast. And, and, and again, we're speculating when they open up against TCU that that could be one of the uh, top games of the day. Colorado, a team that was so miserable last year, but uh, this year there's such high hopes. They brought in a lot of transfers. 
So, and his, I think his son is uh, either the number one quarterback or vying to be the number one quarterback, the uh, transfer from Jackson State. Speaking of number one quarterbacks, there is not a number one quarterback in Alabama as much as we'd like for them to have one at this point. I can't remember a, an A-Day where people were so down on the product that was put out under Nick Saban in recent memory. I know there's always been guys that you hoped had played better, but generally speaking, most have been very were very frustrated by Milrow and Simpson. Uh, not so much with a couple of freshmen, uh, especially a kid out of Georgia. Um, but Milrow and Simpson just didn't get it done. And you know, for those that say, you know, Saban continues to get asked about the portal. There are those that are steadfast that he will not go to the portal for a quarterback. But, man, the more this plays out, the more you think he's got to at least take a peek and see what's in there. All right. In fairness to the quarterbacks, in, in, in recent memory, and mine is never that good, but I can think back to when the Blake Sims spring game, people were really down. And they said, oh, we're in, we're in big trouble. Blake Sims is our quarterback. Oh, my gosh, it was awful. And as it turned out, he had a very, very good year. It's so vanilla, and it's so stacked up in favor of the defense that the offense obviously has trouble in a spring game because uh, the defense knows the plays, and they know what's coming. And I'm not surprised that uh, you know the two quarterbacks did not shine. That's a, that's a story nationwide now. If you look at headlines, Alabama quarterbacks did not perform well. I think one of them will perform well this year, Mark. I don't know which one, though. All right, Bayside uh, baseball coach Matt Limbaugh is next. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station WNSP. Welcome back in on this Monday edition. Thanks for hanging with us this morning. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Triple G. You just heard Yoshida's grand slam in the eighth inning. A nine-run Red Sox inning. But here's what was so unusual. It was his second home run in the inning. He had two home runs in the inning. The Japanese outfielder signed during the offseason by the Red Sox. This is going to surface as a Chick-fil-A question a little later on in the show. All right, during the uh, weekend, I'll update you on what happened in the baseball high school playoffs opening round. Local teams that advanced include St. Luke's, Bayshore, Bayshore Christian, Cottage Hill, St. Paul, Spanish Fort, Satsuma, Saraland, and UMS Wright, and Bayside Academy. Those eliminated included Faith Academy, Mobile Christian, Gulf Shores, and Baldwin County. And to get us started, uh, the Bayside coach, Matt Limbaugh, is on the line with us right now. Matt, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, congratulations. You got it started Thursday. You, you, you won your two games on Thursday before most of these teams got started. Why the early start? 
Uh, well, we uh, we we heard that if you try to maybe go Thursday, you might have a chance to get some uh, some better umpires. And uh, we uh, we had an opportunity to, to obviously host the first round, and so that's the the perks of being able to uh, get to choose what you want to do. And so we said, hey, let's go ahead and see if they can play Thursday. And then the team that we were playing. Uh, was about uh, Hanley High School was about four and a half hours, and so he was like, uh, "Hey, let's play as as early as possible." And so we we made it happen on a Thursday. Did you get better umpires? <laughs> they they were they were good umpires. Yes, I will say that. I've never. I will heard... say that. I. I... Go, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying uh, they they uh, we, we we've had we've had good umpires all year long and everything, so it's it, it's been it's been a pretty good season. All right, what kind of a year has it been for Bayside? Obviously, you advanced to the second round. Uh, I I don't know what your record is right now, but has this team exceeded or uh, done as well as you thought it could? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, we, uh, we we lost quite a bit last year. We lost our lost our number two, three, and four in the rotation, and uh, lost some big bats. But uh, we we returned some key guys as well, and uh, we we play a tough schedule. We're like I said, we're a small school. Uh, Mobile and Baldwin County, man, is just some unbelievable baseball. And uh, uh, playing all these big schools around here just does nothing but make you better. But uh, overall, man, we just continue to work every day trying to get better, and happy to be happy to be where we're at and uh just gotta gotta go show up every day practice continuing to work on our craft and got a tough one this week so it's not going to be easy who are you playing this week we play bibb county they uh they they are uh historically a, a very good program very well coached um got a uh got a really good rotation and uh going there is always a tough place to play Matt Limbaugh, he's the head coach for Bayside Academy. What's the personality of your team? Home runs, defense, pitching, or just what? Uh, yeah, we we've got uh, we've we got at the top of our rotation, we've got Josh Gunther, who's a Wake Forest commit, and I've like said anytime anytime he's on the mound, he gives you a great chance to win. But uh, really, this year our, our bats have really come alive. We've always been a uh, uh, known as as kind of a, uh, a a team with a bunch of pitching, and uh, had a good team ERA. And this year the bats have the bats have really helped us out. And uh, like I said, one through nine, I have confidence that we can put the ball in play and make things happen. Let me ask you this: I, I mentioned the teams that advanced, the teams that did not advance. Anything that really surprised you over the weekend that you can bring us up to date on, as far as the other schools? No, no, sir. Like I said, man, is uh, even just the state of Alabama. I mean, I uh, I moved to this state five years ago from Missouri, and just have uh, just been amazed by the quality of competition up and down. And so, again, any any given day, uh, that that's the good thing about baseball. You got to show up. You can't look at records. You can't look at rankings. You got to be ready to go any day because it uh, literally anybody has a chance to win if you do the right, do the little things right. Matt, good luck this week. Hopefully you win and we'll keep Thank in you, touch. Sir. Thank you so much. Matt Limbaugh, Bayside Academy baseball coach. They advance. Dr. Christopher Mullenix and his team at Mobile Oren Facial Surgery, which includes Dr. Aaron Wallander and Dr. Michael Babston, three outstanding oral surgeons. They're available for you. No referral needed. Same-day appointments available. And if you do need a same-day appointment or any appointment, give them a call at 471 471- 
3381, located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. We appreciate the fact that Dr. Mullenix and the uh, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, they are title sponsor for our championship drive series, which will take us to Mobile Christian this coming Friday. Mark? So in the app, someone said NFL equals hypocrisy. The stadium in Vegas, every other commercial is DraftKings. Come on. So we talked in our first segment about James Williams and the Detroit Lion players that have been suspended for gambling. Um, I don't know if it's hypocrisy. Um, I think there's just a different um, level of, what's the word? I mean, they're definitely pushing that betting thing really hard, though, right? Right, but there's a. I mean, do you agree that if if the if the league allows gambling to take place, then it should allow its players to gamble? Well, here's where I, I you can't. There's no way you can let your players. The, gamble. the league for years has tried to, like any other professional uh, league, has tried to distance itself from gambling. But come on, we all know that these leagues thrive on people gambling. I mean, even if you're in uh, your fantasy football leagues or, or uh, you just take a look at what's going on, you know, as far as money being bet on Super Bowls, on games, uh, on first downs, on um, and just a play itself. Uh, to a degree, yes, I, I do agree that some hypocrisy involved in there. I, I mean— but you understand. I mean, you I guys understand, understand the, why NFL yeah. players can't gamble on. Oh NFL yeah, games. no, I'm with you. But right, what has happened now, Mark, is that these professional teams and the Oakland A's, being the latest, are embracing Vegas, embracing the community, and basically saying, "Well, you know what? There's gambling out there. You can't get away from it." But he's right. I mean, if they're promoting DraftKings, and I guess. I don't know. Do they promote FanDuel also, or is that just something outside? Either way. I see a lot of FanDuel. But, uh, yeah, I think there's something to that. But there's no getting around it because gambling has has thrived on – sports has thrived on gambling. There's just a different – as an employee of the league, there's a different expectation, right? There are are different levels of expectations and rules for those that – I'm trying to think of a good example of people that work for certain companies where they're – that they can't yeah, do certain see, things in, that their customers do. In that regard, it's like, look, if let's say that every commercial you ever saw on TV was for pizza. And then every day you just see people walking around eating pizza. Right. You work at a place that makes pizza. All you see all day is pizza. And you're like, man, I really want a slice. And then you take one bite, you're suspended <laughs> for six <laughs> weeks. Like... It's just it's always in front of your face constantly. And they're pushing you to want to do it with the advertising, right? Advertising works, apparently. So the only I, difference is though that I I don't what do I what do I stand to gain from other than the personal satisfaction of having a slice of pizza? <laughs> the potential to Eat another one. Win more pizza. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe I mean, that was the best analogy. I'm not sure that really. But I'm just saying, like, it's always in your face constantly, constantly. Right? Gambling has always been a part of sports teams. They've just tried to avoid it until years ago. 
what with the uh, hockey team was the first one to put a professional team in there. You can't get away from it. People go to Vegas to bet on games. I mean, they go anywhere to bet on games. It's all part of the sports. And it, it what bothered me was when the commissioners would say, "Oh, yeah, no, 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 we don't want any part of this." And now they're holding all-star games there. Uh, they have uh, college tournaments there. I mean, they they've kind of like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. You know what I'm saying? Now, does that make it right for professional athletes to, to gamble? No. And I wonder if this is just the tip of the iceberg. Five players. Last year was just one. We hadn't heard about this since Karras and uh, uh, Hornig back in the 60s. Uh, the biggest black guy the National Football League had at that time uh, to have two key players. Now, Jameis Williams, uh, among these five, is probably the best known and probably the only one who was really going to go anywhere with his career. But still, Ridley, uh, now Williams. So what's next? And is there getting away from it? No. You got the baseball teams ready, is looking to buy property and, and move into Vegas. You got the NFL team in there. You, I'm wondering, I'm curious why the, the NBA hasn't really put a team in there, but I think they're holding an all-star game there, aren't they, in the near future? Uh, I believe that's the case. And yeah, hypocrisy is a far fetch. You're upset that one 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 ten thousandth of a percent of the population can't bet. Players can't gamble. Simple as that. Someone else says it's similar to insider trading. Yes, I think that. Well, and then I think the bigger issue is those guys can directly impact the outcome of a game. And so if they're gambling on any aspect of their game or someone else's game, it's either insider trading or, quite frankly, it's point shaving. And the, and now the, the other flip side of that is that James Williams gambled on college football, not the NFL. So someone said, I don't understand why he was suspended. Because you're getting ready to cross the line. You, you, you can't – to me, it's like paying players in college, right? <laughs> if – if you just say you can't do it, this was before NIL. We used to say you just can't do it. It's easy to police whether you paid a player or you didn't pay a player. Now it's like, well, you can only pay them in certain situations. To me, it's harder to it's harder to police how you paid them as opposed to whether you just paid them, right? So if you gamble, if you say you just can't gamble, that's easier to police than saying well, you can kind of gamble, but only here, here, and here. And that's where Jameson Williams got it. He was in the clubhouse when he gambled on college Yeah, football. but all right, uh, to our uh, listener, okay, the, the sports world embracing now gambling in a sense, okay, because there's money to be made from it, all right, with the ads and things, doesn't give access to the players to gamble. The rules are rules. Uh you know, in baseball locker rooms, it's posted. You can't gamble, okay? And that was the downfall of Pete Rose. So, I mean, it's it's clear. It's very clear out there. Just because there, there's advertising out there or just because there's a connection to Vegas or there's a connection to some of these um, gambling websites and just because gambling's now more legal in some states doesn't give the athletes the right to go out and do it because it's a violation of rules. But did he know of that little uh loophole or asterisk in the rule because nfl players can bet on any sport other than the other than the nfl correct mm, uh apparently not i mean as long as they're not uh, from what i understand um, as long as they're not in the practice facility yeah. as long as they're not on like so, nfl see, grounds so now it's kind of like getting stupid right right it's like yo man we really want you to bet on these games DraftKings is probably even throwing promotions at them to pump up their product 
But and then he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna bet on the NFL. No way. I saw what happened to Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna bet on college football. Well, what does it mean now when one guy gets suspended for a year? You would think that would send a message to the rest of the league. No, well, you yeah, get five guys now. Well, yeah, but he bet on the NFL. This guy's betting on the sport that he's allowed to bet on. Maybe he just didn't know. Oh yeah, actually, you can do that. You just can't. Uh, do oh, it I'm not buying that at all. In this building, you they can do have it over there. Hey, Nick, they have meetings prior to the season. They have people come in counseling and things like that. It's driven home. Believe me, there is no stone untouched in the NFL or even in the other leagues, too. They know what's going on. So are we just thinking that he just – these guys just chose to just ignore, ignore it. Yes. the warnings? He's yep. like, I'm going to place this bet. How are they going to know where I am when I place the bet? Or maybe he's in I'm debt. Saying. Was he connected to the to You the don't know the circumstances. <laughs> you know, maybe they're in debt. Maybe they're in, in trouble financially, and maybe they feel that's a way. Or maybe they got handlers out there who are – you know, convincing them that it's okay, they won't get caught. There's all kinds of things, but they are they know the rules. Dude, they Detroit needs to change their Wi Fi name to Do Not Bet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of FBI I mean, I mean, outside. Maybe what if the Wi Fi uh, range was just extremely yeah. large? Maybe yeah. <laughs> and they need to change from FBI surveillance to uh do not bet. Like yeah. I could see that though. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like he didn't bet on the NFL. He bet on the thing that he's allowed to bet on. It just so happened he was in the wrong building. Can yeah. you bet on a team playing? Is that allowed? What do you, the, what do you mean? In the NFL? In and any sport to bet. I, I'm, I'm talking about betting on a sport that's not your own. That right. is legal. I'm talking about just the location, which is a big problem now, too. Right. So you're asking, can he bet on can you bet could he bet on an nba game while in the lions plane or is it because it's a lions property you can't well i don't believe he can williams got suspended for betting on property on other sports so apparently not i don't know the rules i never even knew about that that you couldn't that there was a distinction between on site and off site I mean, that's, not, that's not so far-fetched i mean how how many businesses would be like what are y'all doing uh, we're we're we got a poker game going on. Well, what are y'all doing? We're we're at we're at work. Well, it's on my break. I mean, I guess some people would have a problem with you betting. You right? know, what if he was like know. walking out the door? Like, <laughs> I don't know. You know what's I, interesting is owners can bet as much as they want. They can do anything they want, and and will never get suspended. They can they can bet owners? on their own team. Oh yeah. I don't know that for a fact, but I think I've heard <laughs> stories on that. Oh, yeah. They, oh, I yeah. think they can, yes. Robert Kraft, and I'm only using him as example, if he's up there with Jerry Jones, hey, I'll bet you, you know, I think the, that doesn't, the rules don't apply to them. I think they should have just been like, I, th I think the suspension's a little heavy for a guy not betting on the same league. The big no-no, he didn't do the big no-no. Apparently, there's this new little no-no that none of us knew about. And apparently, so he didn't know about. So maybe Detroit management just didn't say it. And then when it happened, they were like, hey, yeah, sorry about that. Maybe we didn't really make it clear, but we got to suspend you for five games. Six. And the uh, two other guys that got suspended for the year, the Lions said they waived them. They got rid of them, which means they weren't really important to the team to begin with. And this dude just can't catch a break. He barely even played last year. I know. Season. I know. And that's the guy I kept saying that uh, that the Saints needed to draft last year. <laughs> hey, they got that new Caesars uh, sports book. 
yeah. uh, deal with the JB Smooth commercials. See, you see him as JB Smooths. I see him as um, the Manning commercials. Cooper, Cooper, Cooper Manning, by the way, steals the the, sh- uh, the show on those commercials. Good Excuse me, him. Cupper. Cupper. All right, 649. We come back. I think Lee's going to have a little Chick fil A for you. Uh, Rodney Orr at 7 o'clock on Alabama's A Day. Maybe he can point out some of the positives because all I've read is nothing but negative so far from that spring game. Ross Jackson will talk Saints at 7.30. Um, we'll talk some Carolina Panthers at 8. Um, oh, and we have some Jag tickets to give away in hour number two as well. So a lot going on today on this Monday edition. We need you to show up to our NFL draft party. is Thursday at Walk-Ons. We'll give you some, uh, we'll give you some information on that coming up as well. It's the opening kickoff. Let's wrap up hour number one next right here on the sports station WNSP. Hey, this is Stuart Sink for the PGA Tour. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio and Mobile. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Suddenly. All right, 6.55, here we go. A little uh, Monday Chick-fil-A for you guys. What do you got for us? I got Knickerbockers. I got the New York Knicks for you. They've uh, opened up a three games to one lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, yesterday they won the game. Now they go back to Cleveland with a chance to win that series. It's been a long time since the Knicks have advanced to the uh, semifinals. Name the last team that the Knicks defeated to get to the semifinals. It goes back about 13 or 14 years as they uh, try to keep alive, you know, the hopes of maybe getting to the uh, championship game. And they were a fifth seed. Cleveland's a fourth seed. So all you have to do is name the last NBA team that the Knicks defeated to advance to the semifinals of the Eastern Conference. All right. In the meantime, you guys can uh, jump in at 694-1055. We'll talk to Rodney Orr of Tider Insider um, at 7 o'clock to talk a little Alabama 8A. By the way, you you pointed out, did you guys see uh, Pete Davidson got into it, speaking of, uh, speaking of your Knicks? I don't necessarily blame the guy. It looked like uh, blame that, that the video. Other, blame no, Davidson Pete or the Davidson. other guy. So there, Pete Davidson in the very short video was at the Knicks game, and it's been viewed like a one point like six million times. So I think he was trying to take a selfie with some fans, and some other fan tried to like put his arm around him, and Pete kind of like freaked out or whatever, and like pushed the guy, and the dude, and it was an older guy too. Well, well he he let him do it like three times. Like, he got in, like, three of his pictures. He kept hanging on him. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And the dude just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then he eventually snapped and threw the guy off him. Well, maybe if he would have said something the first time, maybe by not saying anything, he kind of gave him the uh, feeling that it was okay for him to keep doing it. Maybe. (laughs) Well, maybe he was trying to keep his cool and hoping that this guy would read the room and that he hasn't acknowledged him and... (laughs) I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see the video of him trying like three or four times. I saw. Oh the yeah, one that's the video I saw. The dude was just hang- like he was taking pictures with kids, getting their phones, taking pictures, doing selfies with everybody, and the whole time the dude's just like, like like his date or something on him, like he's Ariana Grande, and then uh, 
<laughs> he like kept doing it and kept doing it, and then eventually he just threw him off him. Yeah, you uh, tune in a Nick game at the Garden, and it's uh, playoff time, and it's like a who's who as they go around and pan around and point out all the celebrities that are at the game. I uh, I didn't see Davidson, actually. I didn't see this in real time. I mean, I saw some of the other, you know, guys that are sitting at first row. It's kind of like watching the Lakers, who are playing tonight, by the way, you know, at, when they have the, uh, the who's who at the Laker games and all the celebrities. What you guys thinking of uh, Ben Stiller's new all-white hairstyle? His hair's whiter than yours, Lee. No way. Yeah. Then he's dying it. Oh. He's dying it white? The yeah, first, the that's first, what he's doing. Maybe for a part? My hair's not that white yet. I'm hoping. It's still grayish. I still have a few years the to get The bigger question is, would you, pu- would you push a fan away, Lee, if he was trying to get... Uh, in on your pictures, if if somebody just big fan of Shervanian, arm around the shoulder, yeah. Um, Lee, 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 my pal, hey, I'm not a big Let's fan. Let's go bet on a game together. I'm not. I don't bet, and I'm not a big fan of having my picture taken, as you know. And I've done it. I've had people, you know, come in here, and I've done it, and I've done it through families. But I'm not a big fan of being in selfies and things like that. So, I wouldn't want somebody putting their arm around me and hugging me. Would I'm you not push him off, or you say, "Hey"? No, I would, would just, you just ask sternly him. say, "Hey, you, you, back off, back off," or I'll get Mark Heim after you. Judo chop to the Adam's apple. Hi-ya! No groin. It, the groin's the popular place now. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's where you get your flagrant fouls. Things are getting saucy here on a Monday. All right. Uh, I'm assuming we did not get a winner on that Chick Fil A. All right. When we come back, uh, Rodney Orr, Tider Insider, will tell us all the things we need to know about Alabama 8A. John Ricchetti is coming along in hour number two, as is Ross Jackson. So stay with us. A busy hour two uh, on the way right here on the sports station WNSP. Is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number two. Here we are already at 7.04. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff from the studios of WNSP. All right, before we get to our next guest, Rodney Orr of Tider Insider, some quick headlines. Uh, the NFL has suspended five players, including four Lions, including former first-round pick and Alabama alum Jameis Williams, who will sit out the first six games for betting while at the team facility on college games, not NFL games. Uh, three others were uh, suspended for the entire year. Uh, Kyle Bush wins at Talladega, the big race up there at Talladega. Bush comes in first. They had to go overtime in golf. Uh, Riley, uh, former Alabama golfer, uh, he teamed up and won the uh, Zurich Classic. John Ricchetti will be along in about 15 minutes to give us a report on that, but the Riley getting his first victory on the tour, the Alabama alum. Speaking about Alabama alums, A.J. McCarron had quite a game for St. Louis this weekend. Six touchdown passes. Yeah, he's putting up some obnoxious numbers. But they went to the fifth tiebreaker, and Seattle goes to the postseason. St. Louis doesn't. They had the same record. They had to go to five tiebreakers. 
To get us uh, breaking with the ties uh, with what happened at A-Day game, Rodney Orr from Tider Insider. Rodney, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Mark and Lee. How are you guys? Good. So, if you read the uh, the reports and everything about the you know the quarterback play, you know the internet side, eh, you know it wasn't really really good. But you're there. What did you think of the uh, two quarterbacks that were competing for that number one job? You know, Lee, I really think it was like we had reported all throughout spring practice, uh, inconsistent. You know, some ups, some downs, some really good plays, but some. You know, some obvious areas where they need to uh, improve in terms of consistency, uh, throwing the football. I think that was a big thing. Uh, so, you know, when you look at it, I think it was that was pretty much it. It followed the pattern of what we had heard all spring, which was, you know, they were inconsistent. Were there a lot of passes dropped by receivers? There were. That didn't help either. Uh, you know, uh, but again, too, I think some of those plays that were made by the defensive backs, uh, I was really impressed by the way they were playing aggressively, uh, you know, playing on the ball. So, uh, you know, I thought that, uh, yeah, obviously Coach Saban said that the, the wide receivers had performed really well throughout spring practice, did not have a good day on Saturday. So what what stood out on a positive manner? What did you take away on a positive manner? Honestly, Lee, I mean, I thought that for the most part it was positive. I, I thought, you know, you saw some things with the offensive line. I, I thought both offensive lines performed in a cohesive manner. You don't always see that in an 8A game. Uh, I, I thought the running backs, the you know, whether it was Justice Haynes had a big day, produced three touchdowns. Um, you know, I thought all, Jace McClellan looked good. Uh, again, the wide receivers probably didn't have their best day, but you, you certainly saw the potential there, I think. The tight ends really stood out and how they utilized them much more than what we've seen in the past. I thought Miles Kitzelman, who's a guy that we've mentioned a little bit, but not nearly as much as some of the other tight ends, I thought he had a really good day. Uh, he showed up a lot, certainly. Defensively, I, I just really – I've said this, Lee, several times. I, I like Kevin Steele. I think he's going to bring back some things in terms of intensity, fundamentally sound, you know, tackling. thought they tackled really well for the most part. Saw a lot of good things in that regard. And, and just a lot of good young players that I think, you know, they can continue to develop and be, uh, to me, a better defense, more sound defense next year. Did they really have about 58,000 attend the game? Well, you know, it's hard to judge, but I thought they had a good turnout. You know, was it 58,000? Probably not that much. Um, I would say probably, you know, 45 to 50 maybe. Uh, but um, it was a good crowd for sure. All right. Over the weekend, they did get a verbal from uh, Caden Jones. Where do they stand in the class of 2024 right now? No, I think they stand. Uh, they've got a good class going. I mean, obviously you got Julian Sayan committed, the five-star quarterback. He was here this weekend out of California. He's a really talented player, obviously. Jalen Mbakwe was here too. He's a defensive back cornerback out of um, uh, Clay Chogba, who's an extraordinarily gifted player, could do a lot of different things. Perry Thompson, the wide receiver from Foley, um, he was here. Uh, Sterling Dixon, I don't think Sterling made it up this weekend, but he's from right there at Mobile Christian, outstanding prospect, plays for Ronnie Cottrell there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, in, they're, they're moving pretty well. Caden uh, Jones is uh, from Arden, North Carolina. He's about 6'4", 210, 215, really athletic outside linebacker, guy that's got the frame to get a lot bigger. 
So Rodney, Rodney Orr, Tyler Insider, our guest here on WNSP. Is there cause for concern uh, at the quarterback spot at this point? And Nick Saban continues to be asked about the portal. He's not exactly being real subtle about his willingness to go to the portal. Is he talking about the quarterback position when he's, when he's asked about going into the portal? You know, I, I would have to say that you, you have to be a little concerned about the quarterback situation. I mean, they've been inconsistent all spring. I think the question is not in terms of potential. I mean, we know what Milrow can do athletically. He's, he's off the charts. He's improving as a passer. Still has a long way to go uh, based on things I've seen. I think Ty Simpson it can be really, really good. I think the consistency there, too, with him in terms of throwing the football consistently is a big thing. But I, I think he was just, just a little bit off on some of his throws that could have made a big difference in this scrimmage, and I think he'll get there. Now, keep in mind, early in the scrimmage, he dislocated a thumb on his on his throwing hand, so uh, dislocated his thumb. So that certainly affected his, his play. But throughout spring, he's been a little inconsistent. As far as the portal, uh, I would say this, uh, I, if the right guy jumped in the portal at quarterback, uh, I, I think certainly you'd have to at least consider it. Um, again, uh, will that happen? Well, we'll see. I think the next week will be really interesting because I do think you're probably going to see a few Alabama players don't know who, but I think you'll see a few depart, and I think you could see Alabama certainly consider bringing a few in. Uh, the freshman running back, uh, Justice Haynes, led the team in rushing. Is he somebody we're going to see a lot of in the fall? Yes, I think he's a really special back. I think he's he, he, obviously he's in a room that's that's got some really good backs, Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, and I think Jam Miller's going to be really good too. So they've got a quartet of running backs, and Justice Haynes is a guy that everything just seems natural to him, and he's got great vision. This guy that out of the backfield's a really good receiver. You saw that down on the goal line, made a nice you know play down there to to score. But uh, yeah, Justice Haynes is, is going to make a difference, I think, this year. Did you get any semblance of what the offense may look like with the new offensive coordinator? Even though Nick Saban obviously has a big say in that, because normally in a spring game they try to keep things under wraps, keep it very vanilla. But was anything that stood out? Well. I don't think there's anything surprising. I think you're right. I think it was pretty vanilla. I do like the way they utilize the tight ends. As I said, I, I think they're going to going to use those guys quite a bit in the passing game. Uh, obviously, it's like we've talked about. I think they want to get back to controlling the line of scrimmage, being physical up front, dominating, and running the ball. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. As far as the offense as a whole, what it's going to look like, I really think that we're probably going to have to wait and see exactly who the quarterback is and get the season going before we, we have a great idea. Long way to go for that. But if you had to make a choice based on what you saw Saturday, who would that starter be? Wow, Lee, you're putting me on the spot here. Again, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could pick a starter right now. But I will say this, and I'm not saying he's he's going to, going to challenge for the starting spot. I want to be clear about that. But the freshman, I should have mentioned him, Dylan Lonergan, was very impressive. He's extremely composed, made some nice throws. You could see he, understood, he had a great understanding of the offense already. Uh, so he's a guy for the future to keep an eye on. But uh, as far as, you know, who's going to start versus Middle Tennessee, you know, again, I, I just think fall camp, uh, we'll go, August camp will go a long way in determining that. 
Hey, we really do appreciate it, uh, Rodney. Great to have you on again. Tell everybody how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mark. It's tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year, and you can get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check. That gives you all our premium information. We had a big notes uh, and, and kind of uh, observations a report yesterday on the on the A-Day and also our all-sports forum, which are a community of Alabama fans. It's a constant flow of exchange, information, opinions, all of those things right there on tighterinsider.com. Hey, Rodney, have a great week. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, appreciate it. Hey, guys, I need you to mark your calendar for Thursday. That's our WNSP draft party. Come on out and hang with us at Walk-Ons right there on Airport. And we'll be broadcasting the final drive. Corey and Michael will be out there from 3 to 6. And that leads up to our WNSP draft challenge. Get over there, and you know how we do it. We do it every year. You get to uh, pick the top 10 selections, not based on team, but on players in their slots. Triple G will be out there taking your submissions. He's got some cockamamie way of tabulating the, the winners with points. And if you win, up for grabs, a Traeger Grill from Bailey's TV and Mattress and a Bryce Young jersey from The Vault. They'll have tons of other stuff to give away. we got a bunch of new t-shirts, WNSP t-shirts we're going to give away. It'll be a lot of fun to have everybody out there and hang with us. So make sure you get out to uh, walk-ons there Thursday night for the NFL Draft Party and our WNSP Draft Challenge. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. We'll also talk to uh, John Rotetti and do our Millite Golf Report as well. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Go, Johnny, go, go. Go, Johnny, go, go. Go, Johnny, go, go. Go, Johnny, go, go. Johnny, be good. All right, 722 here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging with us at the opening kickoff. All right, Johnny, uh, we talked about the Zero Class, of course. Uh, Johnny's got the Miller Lite uh, report on golf coming up. What about that Alabama alum who notched his first PGA victory? Yeah, that was uh, it was good. It was a good guy. I know the guys real well. Davis Riley, uh, you talk about Davis Riley and Nick Hardy, who played at the University of Illinois, that won the Zurich Classic yesterday in, uh, in convincing fashion. Uh, what they just were got off to a great start and played a great round of golf and the and the leaders really couldn't leaders really couldn't catch them so uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a great win by them no question about it and that picks up their first victory so the former Crimson Tide player gets on the gets on the board and uh, for his first PJ Tour victory as he teamed up with Nick Hardy to win the Zurich Classic the Chevron Championship the LPGA was a playoff. Lilia Vu wins on the first playoff hole to claim the first major on the LPGA Tour. And also Taylor Gooch wins on the Live Tour in Australia, which they had record crowds uh, from all indications. Is uh, this, this was the best Live event that they've ever put together. So uh, we'll keep, a, keep an eye on this as they move on this week to Singapore. Uh, we'll be on the air tonight live at 6 o'clock with Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Uh, we'll have a complete recap of the world of golf. Appreciate it, Johnny. We'll check in with you Friday. All right. All right. You got to take a left at the light. I will. Next time, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. All I right. I think we passed it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I mean, I think we. 
I, I don't know. I think was on the phone here. No, you know, no, you know where. I think go. I think we can cut yeah. this one. I really do. <laughs> well, at least we know he's driving carefully. Either that or he's debating the GPS. <laughs> he's got his Google Maps on, and he'll disagree that? with anybody. Have you ever done that? Debated? You're hearing that voice come out at you, and like, no, I know I'm not supposed to go that way. No. Oh, come on. You haven't lived. I haven't lived? Wait no. a minute. You have? Oh, these things with the GPS. I don't like them. How do you not like them? Oh, I Lee, can't stand it. Do you know what GPS it. stands for? Uh, I really don't. Mark? Grade point savior? I don't know. What is GPS? Lee, any guess? Um, great performance system? Global positioning system. Gotcha. I just remember. Know. I mean, I don't use them anymore. Um, when did you ever use them? I used it on a trip to New Jersey. An and atlas doesn't count. What do you want now? I said an atlas doesn't count. And this, this was the voice. This is what the yeah. voice that kept talking to me. So I missed reading it. <laughs> I, I guess I went wrong, or I, I I didn't follow, and it kept saying. I'm on my way back from New Jersey, and I'm going through Pennsylvania. Turn here. Turn here. Turn here. And I'm like, it's just driving me nuts. I mean, I, I'm staying on the main highway. No, turn here. Turn left. Turn right. I was finally had to shut it off. And you've never used it since? I haven't. Uh, and no, I don't think I have. I want you. I, I don't. You know you have a Google Maps right there in your the palm of your hand right there now. Right. This is. Yeah. But, but I didn't have that it's at the time. Apple Maps. I use Google. You use Apple? No, if he has an iPhone, it's Apple Maps. Hmm. Yeah, but I didn't have it at the time. No, I'm saying now, ago. though, So, because you keep um, – The funniest Every start. Friday, you, when we go to certain places on Friday, it's like, how do you – I'm like, dude, just pop it in there. My funniest go one, to town. Though, I'm in the uh, Jag bus baseball trip coming back from Alabama, and we're in, somewhere in Demopolis, and the bus driver – is going one way based on what the GPS says. And the coach in the front seat says, no, that's not the way. We're going the wrong way. The guy pulled into a neighborhood with this big bus. You could barely turn the bus around. He had to go into a, a driveway and turn it around. And, of course, the coach is saying, I told you so. And, I, and guys, I was just going by the GPS. <laughs> I wish y'all had radio, but he's like nodding like, see, I told you that technology doesn't work. It was funny, though, to listen to it because the driver's trying to pay attention to the GPS. And you got the coach telling him where to go, and you're going the wrong direction, and he went right into a little neighborhood. GPS, more like G-P-O-S, am I right? I suppose. Great piece of... Oh, oh yes, yeah. you're right. Yes, How about that? You're right on that one. Yeah, good for you. Nice. All right, so... Uh, Steph Curry tried to do his best uh, rendition of a Chris Webber. Um, and you remember who Webber was playing for when he? Michigan? Yeah, but he also was a star for the Sacramento Kings. Okay. <laughs> and that's who the, uh, the <laughs> ill-advised timeout. Here was the deal. <laughs> Apparently, oh boy. according to Steve Kerr, Curry, he didn't, Kerr took the blame. He said, I should have reminded the team that we lost a timeout on a challenge. Correct. And I'm with you, what you said earlier. 
I didn't think there was such a thing as no timeouts. They they seem to have them every every which way. So I could I guess understand in the heat of the game that you know if you lose on a challenge, I could see where maybe you'd forget. And the, it's the coach's job to keep you abreast of whether you have timeouts or not. Well, uh, they they get through it. Uh, the Warriors. Uh Got the win. They pulled it even, but it was really bad basketball at the end of that game on both sides, I thought. Okay. Uh, but Steph with the blunder there. Let me ask you this, because you saw the game in real time. I didn't. So he was trapped, right? Yes. Can you throw the ball off uh, an opponent, get it out of bounds? Just to, You can. Yeah. Could he have done that? Yeah, or? and a teammate could have come over and gotten a ball from him. There's a lot of things that yeah. could have happened there. Timeout. It's rare that you ever see a guy, at least I, I think it's rare in these this day and age of the NBA, where a guy... Um, gets trapped and he has to call timeout in the backcourt. I think it happens very rarely. All right, coming up, uh, Ross Jackson on the Saints. Uh, we got some Jag baseball tickets we're going to give away here in a little bit. We're going to go up to Carolina and see what the Panthers are going to do with their pick. And uh, Mike Rodak at 8.30 on Alabama A-Day. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. core um draymond just wants to win and uh you know for all of his uh emotion and passion and um you know the the, the things that he gets into with the league or with the opponent or with the officials um it's all coming from a place of competitive desire he's um one of the great competitors i've ever been around he's one of the smartest well, that's sugarcoating it just a little bit. But, hey, that's what you're supposed to do if you're Steve Kerr. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Well, this Thursday's draft day, first round on Thursday night. And, of course, we look forward to having everybody at walk-ons with a chance to win that Traeger's Grill from Bailey's TV, maybe a Bryce jersey, uh, Bryce Young jersey. A lot going on Thursday. But we want to get kind of a head start on what the Saints might do. And so who better to call him than Ross Jackson from Crescent City Sports. Ross, welcome to the opening kickoff this Monday morning. Good morning. Hey, hey guys. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on, as always. Good to be back with you. So this will be kind of a, an open end. Where do the Saints draft? Who do you think they'll get? Or will they trade up and maybe get a higher pick? Yeah, I mean, I think trading up is is, is absolutely possible. Uh, I'm releasing my predictive mock draft today, and to give you a little sneak peek with that, I have them trading up to 21 with the Los Angeles Chargers to get a hold of Clemson defensive end uh, Miles Murphy. And so, you know, there's a couple of players where I could absolutely see them making a move up for guys like uh, actually both the Clemson prospects did. Uh, Miles Murphy, as well as Brian Brzee. But I can also see them just sticking and picking at 29 and, and being perfectly happy with that because there will be players there that will be available that could have some immediate impact for them, even on the interior, which is where I think that they're going to spend most of their early draft stock, at least, is in the trenches, whether it be on the offensive line or defensive line. So what, I mean, other, uh, obviously we mentioned offensive and defensive line probably most need there. Then what, running back perhaps or even quarterback? Maybe not with yeah, that I first mean, pick, would, but, I mean, on the on the wish list. Yeah, I would probably put running back up there. Um, within that, I would probably put, um, you know, another pass catcher, whether it be tight end or wide receiver. 
and and I don't think that this is a team that's ready to not look at linebacker yet. Um, you know, they lost Caden Ellis this offseason. Demario Davis uh, is, you know, another year closer to eventually hanging up what's going to be a very, very illustrious career uh, for him. And, you know, you're I think you're looking to make sure you have a succession plan there or at least that you're looking to continue to roll the dice there. So I think linebacker is another spot they could potentially end up going in the mid-rounds. Um, you know, running back's absolutely a spot. And this is like a historically good tight end class. So if you're looking for a pass catcher, that tight end group's a pretty good place to find it. Ross Jackson, Crescent City Sports. How many picks do they have uh, this weekend? Yeah, they have eight selections total, which includes two two fifth-round picks and two seventh-round picks. No picks in the sixth right now. But, you know, the Saints haven't drafted eight players since back, I believe it was 2015, when they picked nine players. Since then, they've never, they haven't taken more than seven. So, we be curious to see if they... You know, I mean, we know that they're not going to stick and pick at all eight of those spots, right? But it'll be curious to see how many of those get packaged so that they can move around. Because I do expect them to move around a little bit during this draft, whether early or in the mid-round. Ross, going back in recent history and, and the times you've covered the Saints, how would you grade their draft over the years? Have they been successful? Well, I think 2017 was one of the best draft classes historically that we've seen. 2006 is in that category as well. Um, I think this past 2022 NFL, our Saints draft class was uh, pretty good, but we're still waiting to see how it all pans out. But I think they struck gold with guys like Olave, uh, Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, of course, and then Tennessee uh, cornerback Alante Taylor. But you're still waiting to see if you know, offensive linemen like um, uh, Trevor Penning are able to pan out. So I, I think that they have some, you know, good groups that they, they pulled together. But, you know, there's some there's some misses within, you know, their draft history as well. So I'd put them right around where I would put, you know, kind of a, a larger group of NFL general, you know, um, uh, teams when it comes to their general success in, in, in the NFL draft. So uh, they're one of the better ones when it comes to it, but, you know, they're not without their misses, that's for sure. All right, you said you're going to come out with a mock draft. Who do you have going first? Yeah, so that's why I have them trading up to 21 with the Los Angeles Chargers to get uh, Miles Murphy. But uh, I don't mock the entire NFL. I, I usually just mock the Saints. But if I'm going first overall in this one, I, I still think that it's Bryce Young going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see where they end up actually going. But, um, you know, I think it, all the momentum right now is pointing to uh, Bryce Young heading to uh, Carolina. And it's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of conversation that, the Houston Texans aren't super high on C.J. Stroud, and so does that end up meaning that they end up trading out of that number two spot and maybe going for a quarterback another way or at another point in the draft. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens at number two there. All right. Uh, one of the, the storylines leading up to the draft, of course, is what's going on with the Packers and Jets. Do you think they get anything done with Aaron Rodgers prior to Thursday? I do, but I, oh, uh, prior to Thursday, I'm not sure. I, I think they do get something done soon, but I, I don't know that it happens prior to Thursday because I'm not convinced that the first-round pick for the Jets is a part of that trade. And so with that first-round pick not necessarily being a part of it all, then I, they don't really have a lot of reason to rush and get things done before Thursday. If I'm the Jets, I'm sitting back and I'm saying, all right, well, I'm going to get ready for, you know, the first day of the NFL draft to make sure that everything gets done. And then maybe some of those day two picks end up being a part of that Aaron Rodgers trade. Uh, but I don't expect the first selection, that, that pick number 13, to be a part of what, what's going on between the, the Jets and the Packers there. And I wouldn't be surprised if that trade is a little bit more uh, future conditional first round or future conditional picks than it is actual 
early, uh, you know, premier picks from this year's draft. Is the, the the way the Saints draft any different these days than it is or was with Sean Payton? Um, I, I think there, there's a little something there. I mean, you, you look at last year, they had three top 100 selections, and they spent them all at premier positions. Usually premier positions are the, are the players that touch the ball the, the most and that you know, either throw the ball, try to stop the guy from throwing the ball, or have something to do after the ball is being thrown, whether it's catching the ball or trying to stop the other guy from catching the ball. And so, you know, oftentimes you think about that as wide receiver, corner, quarterback, tackle, stuff like that. But, you know, in in the you know, 2006 to 2021 drafts, they spent less than 50% of their top 100 selections at those positions. They spent a lot at non-premier positions like linebacker, running back was a top 100 selection, of course. That worked out for them with Alvin Kamara, but I do think that there is something to what we saw last year and the conversation around where the early selections might be spent this year. That we could see the Saints maybe leaning a little bit more into spending those top 100 selections at premier positions that end up having more immediate impacts as opposed to the draft and develop types. Because the Saints are kind of out of time to, to draft and develop; they don't really have that time anymore. Uh, particularly if you're you're Dennis Allen and you're trying to win this year as, as the head coach. Um, you know, so I think you're going to see a lot more, uh, you know, lean toward drafting pro-ready prospects at positions that have immediate impact. Ross Jackson, our guest here on WNSP. Uh, I don't know if it's a popular narrative, but it's one that's been talked around, uh, about around uh, the New Orleans area. Speaking of running backs, is Tajay Spears. What, what's, what are the chances that uh, the Saints draft the, uh, the, uh, the, local, uh, the local favorite there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it's interesting because it depends on, you know, when he's on the board, when they're up to pick, and who else is on the board, and what trade offers are coming in, and all those other things. But uh, I, I do think that if he were to be selected by New Orleans, that he would be a great selection. He would be, you know, fantastic in terms of his fit. Um, I know that, you know, a lot's been made of him clocking in. I think he measured in at 5'9", five, 5'10". Uh, at the combine, but I don't think that that's an issue for New Orleans, who drafted Mark Ingram years ago in the first round. And I think that this is a team that would like to not have to change its its playbook very much if they do have to be without Alvin Kamara for the suspension that we all sort of expect he's going to have connected to his uh, ongoing legal situation so far this offseason. And so uh, I think a guy like Tajay Spears gives you the opportunity to be able to not have to change that playbook at all because of the way that he can catch out of the backfield because of all the different things that you can do with him. So I look at him and Alabama's Jameer Gibbs as the two players that allow the Saints to add talent, uh, not only for now, but also for their future, because let's not forget that Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara are also, you know, uh, 29 years old at the beginning of this season, and we know how the NFL feels about running back post-30. And so everyone, you know, has to be prepared for that too. And so uh, I like what guys like Taji Spears and Jameer Gibbs give you immediately in terms of replacing Alvin Kamara if you have to be without him for any stretch of games in 2023. But I also like what they give you in terms of their ability to be able to replace him in the offense should that day come uh, you know, within the next you know, three or four years. Of, the, of those two, though, would, would it be fair to say that Gibbs is more Alvin Kamara-like than Spears? Yeah, I think so, because Jameer Gibbs, you can you know line him up at wide receiver. He wasn't just Alabama's best running back last year. To an extent, he was their best wide receiver last year, right? And so I think, you know, with the ability to be able to move him into the slot, be able to motion him out wide, all those other things, those are all things that Alvin Kamara was able to do too. But, you know, to be fair, those were things that Alvin Kamara brought with him to the league. Those were things that he learned in Sean Payton's scheme and in that offense with Pete Carmichael. And so I, I, I would give 
you know, at least a little bit of the uh, benefit of the doubt to Tajay that he would be able to to do those things. But if you want somebody that's you know going to walk in with the experience, then Jameer Gibbs is absolutely uh, absolutely up there. Hey, uh, fun times, man. Everybody's anticipating a, a fun night Thursday. How can people get the latest from you leading up to the draft? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to be a very, very fun night and very fun weekend. Uh, easiest way to keep up with all of it is going to be on Twitter at Ross Jackson-Nola. You can find all the written work over at CrescentCitySports.com and then, of course, over at Saints.media as well over with Sports Illustrated Saints News Network. And then, of course, uh, Locked on Saints every Monday through Friday. We'll be live and have a bunch of different clips and everything for you all throughout the day uh, on Thursday leading up to and beyond the NFL draft. Hey, man, thanks so much for the time. We look forward to uh, reading more about it as it gets closer. Appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Y'all take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. That's Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, the Saints. By the way, um, something you've heard me talk a lot about, if you are getting close to the age of retirement, thinking about retiring about 65 or so, uh, you need to call our guy, Aiden Marks, over at Medicare Insurance Advisors. Medicare Insurance Advisors was founded in 2012. The focus uh, was really being a community resource for the senior market. They want to be different from any other agency. They want to provide a custom experience for clients and community. And it, the process is centered around providing education and long-term support, not just one-time enrollment for Medicare. So that's what Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors does. He's there to help you navigate all the questions you have about Medicare he has a number of clients with all sorts of different experiences, right? He had a client calling and asking if he needed to add Medicare to his B VA benefits, for example. Uh, in his situation, the, the answer wound up being no, but that may not be the same for you. He's been in the, the, the Medicare business 12, 13 years. He's an independent guy, never a fee for his services, and he works with multiple carriers. He's helped hundreds just like you in Mobile and Baldwin counties. Um, he's local, he's knowledgeable, and he has a physical location. Go see him. On Highway 98 and Daphne, across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. You can go see him, or better yet, he can come to you. Again, never a fee for a service. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. Give him a call, 463-0031. That's 463-0031. When we come back, Lee's going to have some South Alabama baseball tickets for you. We can talk gambling. When is gambling okay? When is it not? A good rule of thumb if you're a professional athlete, especially a football player. But I would I would make this I would I would I would say this about any professional athlete or any athlete in general. You know when the bet there is never a good time to bet. Do net just don't place a bet. And if you feel the need to, have a buddy do it for you. And give him like a 10% administrative fee or something. Why put yourself in that position? If you really feel the need to do it. Find a buddy, find a scapegoat, a fall guy. Get Nick to do it. Triple G will do it for 10%. We'll talk about it next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Look at them Jaguars, look at them Jaguars, love the way they play that game. Look at them Jaguars, scoring them home runs, the Sun Belt's gonna be their fame. All right, 
749. What do you got, Lee? I'm waiting for the bing. Oh, I did. I did the. I know. I want. I want to hear it though. There you go. Now we're set. I mean, nothing gets you pumped up in the morning quite like that little jam. All right, over the weekend, the Jags took two out of three from Georgia State. They're above 500 now, two games, and they are hosting New Orleans tomorrow night. So I got four tickets for you. Privateers. Yeah, the Privateers. Go out and see the Jags beat the Privateers tomorrow night at Eddie Stanky Field. All you have to do is answer this baseball question. So yesterday, in the Red Sox victory over the Twins, they scored nine runs in the eighth inning. The newly signed Japanese outfielder Yoshida hit two home runs in that one inning, including a grand slam, or as you like me to say, grand slammer. I don't like you to say that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Then it's just a grand slam. Yes. Name the last Red Sox who hit two home runs in the same inning. And this is not some guy that was just called up or anything like that. This is a very well-known Red Sox, very popular you know the answer, 694-1055. You know, over the weekend, Mark, in, in baseball, there was a guy that was called up by the Pittsburgh Pirates. His last name, I think, was Maggi, M-A-G-G-I. And it reminded me of the, the movie Bull Dorm. Guy spent 13 years in the minor leagues before getting a call up. That's above and beyond. 13 years toiling around on those bus trips and things like that. I didn't look to see if he got in the game yesterday. I had a couple of guys that weren't available. So they finally gave him an opportunity. Good for him. Over it, f- go ahead. It's still one of the best uh still one of the best baseball movies ever. Maybe the best. It, it's when you think yeah. about the cast and everything and it's, it's potentially there's no question. There's a lot of um I don't know if accuracy is the right word, but they touch on so many different aspects of the minor league game. Um, it, yeah, it was well done. Another uh, little baseball tidbit. I was watching the Mets and the Giants yesterday, and needless to say, the Max Scherzer case came up. David Cohn was explaining that, remember if you remember when Scherzer said that he, after the first appearance with the umpire, or the first to, to, to do you know, when he had the, the stickiness on his, his uh, ha- fingers, that he, he, he claimed he washed, he washed his hands with alcohol instead of water. Cohn pointed out yesterday, and, and he, he demonstrated, and he went through the demonstration, that alcohol can lead more to stickiness rather than if you just washed it with water. He said water will just soften up the hands, but if you use alcohol, it actually can lead to the stickiness, and then, of course, you add the rosin to that, and that's what uh, did in Max Scherzer. Hmm. I think the whole thing's dumb because it's a level of stickiness. It's like pass interference. Well, there was interference, but is there enough to call a foul? Well, it's, it's sticky. Is it sticky enough? And there we go with that word again. I just feel so uncomfortable early in the morning using the word sticky. Now, what I found surprising, Scherzer wanted to appeal the 10-game suspension. I thought if he appealed, they would lower it a bit. I, that's just a guess. But the Mets told him not to. And what surprised me was the Mets are hurting for starting pitching right now. You know, Verlander hasn't thrown. They got two or three starters that are out. I would have thought they really needed him back right now, but they said, nope, take your 10-game suspension, live with it, and we'll just move on. Uh, We have a winner. Uh, Maurice got the answer to your question. David Ortiz, one of the most popular Red Sox ever. Last Red Sox to hit two home runs now in one inning. 
I will give you a Chick-fil-A if you can tell me. Yoshida is considered at the age of 29 a rookie since this is the first year. The last rookie to hit two home runs in an inning. Any rookie or for the uh, any for the rookie, Red Sox? Any team. And he played for the Yankees. Uh, Derek Jeter. No. This goes way back to when. Babe Ruth. <laughs> Mickey Mantle. <laughs> it was Joe. Barra. Uh, it was Joe Pepitone. Ah, uh, who recently Joey. passed away? Yeah, recently passed away. Or as I like to call him, Peppy, Joe Pepitone. All right, all right. You want to talk about gambling? So, why not just find yourself a patsy? You mean somebody? A fall guy. Your brother, an uncle, a family member. I would say a friend, a, a childhood friend. Um, then there's the risk of them becoming a rat. Yeah, well. Well, then he's not a childhood friend. And sending off your screenshots of your messages telling what bets to put in. So he can get on TMZ. Exactly. So do you go family member? I just feel like that's too closely linked to – it's a little too close to home. Okay, so here's the thing I have. Number one, I, I know the NFL has a lot of investigators. They do their due diligence. We're understood. How do they find out about these guys betting? Like, let's say if you made a friendly bet. Let's say you bet on a team, but you did it with a, a friend or something like that. Or do they go through the bookie system? The bookie system. The bookies. You just go to bookie.com and well, look for I, latest transactions. I would. I don't know about that since I've never done it, but I've heard people just <laughs> dial somebody who's a bookie and they book the stuff well, for them. Yeah, you can do that, but now they have the apps that you can right. use. That's so who do you? All these ads so who do you get for, to be your 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 fall guy? If you, if you can't – see, I, would feel, I wouldn't feel great about going to a family member because I think that's too easy to link. See, but if you don't do a family member, then they might betray you. Right. That's what I was thinking So too. who do you go to? Well, you better Maybe have like a, a really, really good, good friend, a really, really good friend who you have utmost trust in if there is such a person out there who's not going to tattletale on you. It's not going to – if the NFL calls up, hey, was so-and-so better? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. See, but Kanye West thought he had that, and then his cousin stole his laptop with his beats on it. Oh, not the yeah. beats. Not the beats. See, this is a problem. So that's why I go back to my original statement, which is if you're a professional athlete, don't bet. Just don't do yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. But the thing I, the, I had trouble with on this story, understanding. So Williams and Barry Hill, they only get six games because they bet on the premises and supposedly just on college football games. Whereas the other three got suspended, I'm not. I just don't understand this fine line. So, in other words, if you bet in the facility versus outside the facility, that that makes a difference. And of course, whether you bet on NFL games, if you bet on NFL games, you're done. You're right, finished. Right. And there's a good chance none of these three will ever ever get that opportunity to play again. But but the NFL is okay with let's say Jameis or Stanley Berryhill betting on college games. And were they the only two? That bet on college games inside the, the Detroit facility? All right, we got some devious folks in the app. In my last employment position, I had to use a bag man. It was my college roommate. Gave him 10% on winning weeks. There you go. Burner phone. Use a friend's ID and bet yourself. Okay. Good tip. Use a brother or a, a brother-in-law or close cousin for the bag man. All right, so there we go. We got some very deceptive folks out there. I like it. I think I technically have a bag man. I uh -oh. send my bets off to my guy up in Tennessee. Tennessee? Yeah. Everything's legal up there. So 
<laughs> if you were to do it, if you were to do it from WNSP, though, they might frown upon the fact that you're betting on company time. Who WNSP? The higher ups of WNSP. Yes. yes. Uh, I, I wouldn't get myself in trouble like that, Mark. I'm just saying, if you were to do it here, you'd get your you'd get yourself in trouble with uh, different <laughs> ways. <laughs> you think they're tracking the Wi-Fi? What, what sites I'm browsing in here? It's been known to happen around here. Hmm. They check the history every once in a while. Lee, you hear that? I'm writing this down. The the problem. <laughs> I say problem. I mean, everybody faces it. If you start losing and get yourself in a financial bind, that's where it uh, can get very, let's say, devious. Especially if you're doing with bookies or things like that, at least based on some of the TV shows I watch. <laughs> they come looking for you. With the lead pipe. Yeah. Well, some hard piping, yeah. mothers. Coming right. to find you. Lee, you ever had a run-in? Never. Owed a little, never little more than you. Never. You bit, bit off a little bit more than you could chew. Never. Never bet. You tried to. You tried to pay them off with gift cards. That might work. No, that wouldn't work at all. They don't buy into that. They don't. They. They don't want the gift cards. They want their money back. Did you ever push a guy that wanted a selfie with you, an autograph, like Pete no. Davidson at the Knicks no, game? No, I'm such a. I'm very nonviolent. Never do any of that stuff. Y you ever have a run-in with the mob, Lee, in your days up in New Jersey? Yeah. Waste management, quote unquote. Covered some stories, but never a run in. How about you guys? You guys are more, let's say, with it today. With it? You with it? Oh. Aren't you out there? Uh, Just hanging with the have mafia. You ever, okay, let's go. Let's back up. Did you ever bet on a game at all? Ever? School, friend, uh, dorm mate, something like that. Did you ever bet? I did a little fan duel action. That's right, we did. Does that count? But <laughs> yes. we were, but we were told to do that. We, I wouldn't have done it unless we were told. Well, to I do tell it. you to do stuff all the time. Doesn't mean you do it. Well, we. This was a commercial you, buy. You, you gambling degenerate. Nick, you, you're more into that, aren't you? Uh, not as much as some people. Do you bet on no, basketball yeah, games? Bet a little bit. Do you bet on basketball? Uh, yeah. Pro. Yeah, every now and then. See, I don't understand the odds on pro basketball. Well, it's a number, and it either has a plus or a minus. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Are you writing that down, too? No. I ran out of ink. All right, so what do the Panthers do with their pick? Let's right, see if we can find out when we come back. How about that? Uh, we'll give you the latest. We'll tell you what's up with our NFL draft party. Mike Rodak on AL of AL.com on Alabama A-Day in hour number three as well. Stay with us. Plenty left. It's a Monday edition. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, here we are, 8.04. Thanks for making us part of your morning. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee and Triple G from the studios of WNSP. All right, before we get to our next guest, quickly headlines. Former Alabama wide receiver and Lions first-round draft pick, Jameis Williams, and four other players have been suspended by the NFL for gambling. Four of those players played for the Lions. Williams will sit out the first six games. A couple of the players 
are out for the whole year, and the Lions have released two of them. Uh, big sporting event in this state uh, yesterday was Talladega, won by Kyle Busch. And, of course, the big story we're following this week, the NFL draft. And to that, I want to welcome in our next guest. Uh, he's with Spectrum News 1. He's the sports director based in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mike Salardi. Mike, thank you for joining Mark and myself here on the opening kickoff. It's a pleasure. Good morning. How are you today? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, guys. Good morning. I uh, really appreciate it. All right, can you clue us in? Where do where do you, where do Char, uh, where do the Panthers go with that first pick? <laughs> An easy one, right off the hop. Huh? Right off the top. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> all the tea leaves. If you read the tea leaves, they all sign points to Bryce. You know, the Panthers have been very tight-lipped about this. They they haven't they haven't shown their cards, but. If you just kind of listen to some of the things that General Manager Scott Fitter said last week in their pre-draft availability, you know, they, they talked about how, uh, you know, they compared Bryce Young and batted balls in his, his, his last season to Russell Wilson in his last season, where Will, well, Wilson had three in his final season in college, Bryce had two. Um, you know, and batted balls for a quarterback were a problem for Carolina last year with Baker Mayfield in the early portion of the season. Uh, they talked about how they can help Bryce, uh, you know, add muscle and add mass to himself to better protect him against the NFL grind. And I mean, if you, like I say, if you just kind of look in between the lines, it feels a lot like Bryce Young. Um, but, you know, as we've got just a couple of days now before this thing actually, you know, before we can stop with pre-draft watch, um, it, it, it just kind of just shapes up where you feel like it is going to be Bryce Young on Thursday night. So give me a dark horse. I think everybody believes that to be the case, Mike. I think everybody thinks it's going to be um, Bryce Young. But just for fun, throw me throw me a dark horse. Uh, throw me a, a, a wrench in, in the plans here. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if the Panthers can afford a wrench. Um, <laughs> because, because they've got so much at stake on this. I mean, yeah. they traded away so much draft capital and DJ Moore to Chicago to move up to number one. This is a critical, critical pick for this front office. Uh, I mean, they, they've got to get this right. And um, if there's going to be, if there's a dark horse, I mean, if any of the other quarterbacks that, you know, folks are, are high on, it's Stroud or Levis, Anthony Richardson, I mean, if any of those guys, it would be the, the dark horse wrench uh, to kind of go up the system. But, I mean, they, they can't. They, they can't mess around with this. They've got to get the right guy. And as, as much winning as Bryce, uh, you know, did in, in, in Alabama, um, you know, he, he was he, – he's probably the most, in my opinion, and, and again, I, I'm not involved in the meetings, and I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to be the guy making the pick. But, you know, if you, if you just look at all the things that, he, that Bryce did with the Crimson Tide and – uh, you know, being able to, to win games in the SEC, which everybody knows is, is the premier college football conference in the country. Um, he's, he's got the pedigree. He's got the, he's the reason that uh, the, the Panthers would, would feel most comfortable with, uh, with bringing him in. So um, there's a dark horse. It's, it's any of the other quarterbacks. Carolina can't go anything but quarterback. I mean, this isn't draft day where it's Vontae Mack or above everything else. This is <laughs> – this is, you know, this is real life, and, and they need they need a quarterback in the worst way because they haven't they haven't had solid quarterback play since they selected Cam Newton in 2011. Mike Salardi is with Spectrum News One, based in Charlotte. He covers the Carolina Panthers. Do you get a feel for how the fan base, what direction they like to see the Panthers go in? Well, we run the 
on our on our show, the Chevrolet Sports Night, uh, we run a, a, a very unscientific Twitter poll every night. And on March the 10th, uh, when the Panthers acquired that first overall pick, uh, we ran a poll and we put out there which quarterback do you do you want to see the Panthers select at number one overall? And on that particular night, C.J. Stroud led the voting. We ran that same exact poll last week, and the voting came across as Bryce Young um, by similar margins. It, it felt like you know the the voters from March the tenth kind of changed their minds, and uh, so it was it was Bryce as of last week, according to the fan base. So, again, it, it, you know, the, the sample size is obviously very small because we're not talking about thousands of people that we're asking here. We're just throwing it out of the Twitterverse and seeing who will respond. And uh, But, you know, so a lot has changed in the last month uh, in terms of the fan base that, you know, is on Twitter and, and saw our poll and decided to vote. So, again, it's very unscientific, but I, I think the mood of everybody that I've talked to in terms of, you know, friends and fans and that sort of thing. I think they want to see Bryce Young in a Carolina uniform. Now, I think that even if Bryce is the guy, okay, let's just say hypothetically Bryce Young is, is the number one pick Thursday night. He's going to walk into a pretty good situation in Carolina. He, you know, I'm not talking about what the team put on the field last year. because Look at this, this offseason that they've gone through in terms of free agents that they brought in, guys that have restructured, re-signed, um, the additions on offense have been everywhere. I mean, they've, they've added a wide receiver. They've added a, a veteran quarterback and maybe Dalton to be for and the, the tour guide uh, for whomever they draft. And the offensive line last year <laughs> was, was a lot better than we've seen in recent seasons. And uh, really, the, the, that's been kind of the, the game plan for Fitterer is to have – an offense that's established with a solid offensive line, good skill position players, uh, good backfield, and they added Miles Sanders to that mix this year. Um, and you, you, put, you can just drop in your, your rookie quarterback either in his rookie season or in year two after he's kind of you know been shown the ropes a little bit. And then you try to keep that, that quarterback in the mix for five to ten years. That's been his formula. He's, he's you know, he's said that publicly. And this is this this group now is starting to take that kind of shape. And so it, it stands to reason that if you've got a guy that you believe in and and the Panthers have said this too, if you're gonna if you're gonna move up to the number one pick, they said this before they did the, the deal with Chicago, if you're gonna if you're gonna move, to, move up to number one and you've got to have conviction on the player and you're going to be all in because this, like I said before, this is a this is a make or break draft in my opinion for this Panthers front office. They've got to get this pick right. Talking to Mike Solardi, Spectrum News One in uh, Charlotte. So, if they draft Bryce, or even if they went another direction for a quarterback, do you bring that quarterback in to learn and perhaps sit on the bench for a while behind Andy Dalton, or do you just shove him right into the starting lineup? Wow, that's I mean that's a million dollar question. When when I was here when, when Cam Newton was was drafted uh, out of Auburn and um, all through training camp and all through the preseason, Cam was getting you know getting the reps and and getting the work. But even going into week one, you know going into actually 
play, it's, you know, it's got to be him. And sure enough, on a preseason game, Ron Rivera said, oh, yeah, Cam's going to start on, on Sunday. He's going to start week one. So going into that training camp, people were like, is he going to be ready? Is he going to be able to pick it up quick enough? And he was. It really all depends on, on how well Bryce does in the preseason, how, how well he does at camp, you know, OTAs, mini camps, rookie camp, all that stuff. Go through the preseason. If he if he earns the job, if he's if he's clearly the better option to start over Andy Dalton, then he will start week one. Um, but that's going to be something that this coaching staff and we don't know how this coaching staff operates because they are all new across the board. Uh, you know, we don't know how Frank Reich is going to do everything, and that's the other part of it too. Is that Frank Reich has always been linked with quarterbacks that are bigger than guys like Bryce Young. So this is going to be a change if they do in fact draft Young, and he's got to work with a guy that's not not in his prototypical mold, mold I should say. And uh, so it's all going to depend on if he, what kind of grasp he gets in the offense early. Because again, everything is new in the coaching staff. The system's going to be new. But the good thing is that whatever quarterback they they drop in there, whether it's Dalton, first round pick, whoever, there are weapons now surrounding that position. So they're not going to come in totally, you know, got to throw on the red cape and do it yourself. They're, he's going to have support. He's going to have a lot of support in terms of the wide receiver position. And these are again, these are these are players that are, have a pedigree. You know, Adam Thielen is, is a guy that ever you know his name. If you're a football fan, you know who he is. You know who Miles Sanders is. You know who Hayden Hurst is, a tight end that they signed this offseason. Uh, you know, you, you, you recognize these names. You know these guys aren't a bunch of dudes that they just kind of signed off off the street. These are guys that have pedigree in the NFL, and they can be solid veteran. Uh, for lack of a better word, you know, comfort blankets for a, a rookie quarterback. Um, I, I could see young. I could see whoever they draft starting in week one. But again, it all depends on how it plays out through the course of the, you know, install the offense, how quickly they grasp it, and how quickly they they start to you know make things happen on the field when they uh, when they get going through camp and everything. Mike, great stuff. I'm just curious before we let you go, man. What's getting uh, more coverage up there right now? The NFL draft or? Uh a little NHL man in the in the Canes. Well, it, it, remember we we got the Hurricanes on the other across the state, and for for a person like myself, I'm a Chicago guy, so I can't get enough of the hockey. <laughs> you know, so uh, right now this this week is going to be the nice uh, the nice uh, to borrow a Talladega phrase. This is going to be the nice wreck off of four with everybody uh, you know getting together uh, covering the Hurricanes, covering the NFL draft. I mean, there's. There's so much going on. We got a PGA Tour event coming to Charlotte next week, so I mean, it, it, the the merry go round never stops. But uh, this is gonna, this is certainly gonna, it's a great time to be working in this industry, gentlemen. No, no question. Hey, Mike, we really do appreciate the time, man. We'll be uh, we'll be following you right there on Twitter at Mike Salarte. Have a have a great week. Enjoy it, and we'll be in touch. Thanks very much for having me. Look to talk to you guys again. Yep. Uh, scoreboard traffic and weather are next. We'll take your phone calls. And Mike Rodak of AL.com on Alabama's A-Day at 8.30. Got plenty left here on a Monday edition. Did you hear what happened over at Disneyland over the weekend? Potentially some kids got scarred for life. The Fantasmic Show went awry. The fire-breathing dragon apparently caught fire. <laughs> And then there's uh, our guy Pete at the Knicks game. One fan got a little too touchy.
took matters into his own hands. We'll hit it all when we come back right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com is the opening kickoff. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. Hunting Curry. He's got Curry on the switch. Fox over to Barnes for the lead. And that's it. The Warriors survive. It was a good look, man. It was a good look. They, they I mean... By the way, I was wondering how long the Warriors were going to let Fox hit that mid-range. I mean, it's so, now at halftime, they did put Draymond on him, and I think that helped a little bit. But, man, he kept hitting. He drained that 15-footer. But uh, Steph tried to do his best impression of Chris Webber uh, in that game. And uh, both teams tried to give it away there at the end. But uh, it was compelling. I mean, it was a compelling game. If, if the Warriors had lost it, it would have fallen on Curry. The timeout and that missed shot he made with about 12 seconds to go. Yep. As it is, though, they survive. And, and even the series at two apiece, which has arguably been the best of the series so far as far as competitiveness and going back and forth like that. But uh, now they go back to Sacramento. But if, like I said, if, if they had lost that game, it's on Curry. Uh, should have won that game. Who should have? The Kings. Um, Steph Curry... Every shot he makes is not a good shot. No, I would agree. I would agree. If you were showing, if you were showing like somebody, if you were a coach, you're like, all right, son, when you play this weekend, I want you to watch Steph. Everything he makes, you'd be like, that's not a good shot. Exactly. <laughs> like I shot. was getting so <laughs> don't take that shot. Watching him, man. <laughs> yes. But is it a bad shot if he makes it? Yes. Yes. There is such thing as a bad shot. It may be, They're but all still bad shots though. But he if you never make takes it, a good look. But if you make it, uh, I'm sure the coaches aren't complaining. Now, they might if it's somebody else who doesn't have the reputation of, of scoring or being able right. to. But Curry's just as a very unique shooter. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. He's And I would almost say the same about Aaron Fox. I've seen him briefly, but he takes some very unorthodox shots, but he makes them. Speaking of shots, Dylan Brooks took a shot. Uh, LeBron, in, in typical LeBron Floor, uh, uh, form like in pain on the floor for for minutes, uh, but managed to somehow if, bravely overcome those injuries and, and finish the rest of the game. But Dylan Brooks got ejected. I'm I said that I'm not a Dylan Brooks fan. I don't feel one way or the other about him. I, but I did not feel like that was an ejectable offense. Mark, when's the last time in the NBA regular season, postseason, exhibition season, overseas whatever, that we've seen two guys in the span of a week ejected for flagrant fouls for hitting somebody in the groin? I can't ever remember it even happening. Have you, Nick? Uh, uh, no. I mean, well, Draymond Green kicked Kevin Love in the nuts and got ejected. And that's why they ended up winning the finals in 2016 because he didn't play in game six. If we all can go back in yeah. time and remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, look, the NBA is going to protect those LeBron family jewels as look, much as they can. You tell the coach, <laughs> tell the players, make sure you got your cup on when you go out right. to play but these look, days. Man, Dylan Brooks, he poked the bear. He said LeBron was old. He didn't respect him. And then the very next quarter, 
the biggest NBA blowout in playoff history for that quarter. I think they were up what thirty. Oh, it was unbelievable. Five to nine. What do you think yeah. that conversation was like? They LeBron went to go talk to him before the next right before yeah. the game. What do you think that conversation was like? It looked like it was fairly civil. I, I, I saw him. like a lip reading. Um, he told him it was, was his birthday. Saying, you don't know anything. You're a bum. You haven't done anything. Do your job, is what LeBron was saying. And Dylan Brooks just kind of was listening. Yes, sir. He, yes, sir, Mr. James. Where, where I lose all respect for Dylan Brooks, maybe the little that I had, he was acting like this big villain, right? Talking all this smack. Yeah. But then after the that last game, he was like, I don't really want. I don't want to talk. Yeah. You yeah. can't do that. Yeah. You 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 set that's the table, man. Punk, now he, you know what though? That's what got him canned, being a trying to be a tough guy and for the statements he made, just like Draymond Green. He got, that's what caused it, I think. I more just so. I just thinking that. I don't I don't I just don't see how that's an ejectable offense. If you go back and watch that play, LeBron changed directions. He tried to throw his hand out there. It's not like he was trying to grab a, a handful of LeBron. And there. I'll say this: if you're gonna make a move like that, or if you're gonna poke the bear. Do it in a crowd. Don't do it in open backcourt violation like that. Lee wants you to be sneaky. Yeah, do it in the lane. Yeah. Where they got all army and you can't tell who's doing what in the lane. <laughs> Lee's the guy, that teammate of yours in the football game in the scrum that's grabbing the opponent's crotch, trying not to get away with it, or trying to get away with it. Mike Rodax next. We'll talk about what went wrong at Alabama A-Day. Might be easier to say what went right, but we'll get the latest. Stay with us. It's the best chance to win. You know, I make all our decisions based on winning. Who, who, can, who can play the best? It doesn't make any difference if you're a fifth-year senior or a freshman. If you're the guy that can go out there, and if you took all the players on our team, you think the players on our team don't know who the best players are? They absolutely do. All right, so if you're a coach and you don't play the best players, you're not going to have any Maybe we should ask them who the quarterback should be then. It's the uh, opening kickoff, 832. That's Alabama coach Nick Saban. Now I'm going to ask Mike Rodak with uh, AL.com. He's with us right now. He uh, covered the game, was one of the 58,000-plus that uh, showed up, we think. Mike, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. I don't know if they count us in those numbers. It might be a, a detriment, but. Uh, yeah, I was there. It was a beautiful day. Good crowd. Yeah, um, we we yeah, were way we were way off than last year. Mark Mark and I were way off. We were in the 30s. We predicted so at least they got more than Colorado. Yeah, well, that was my conspiracy theory. This no matter how many were in the stands, their official attendance was going to be higher than the capacity of Colorado Stadium. <laughs> it's like one of those. Uh, uh, it's like Marv Levy, the old Bills coach, would always tell the story of that. that big comeback game they had against the Houston Oilers and they came back from 35 points and you'd say there's 150,000 people who said they're at, they're at that game yeah. the stadium old 70,000. <laughs> so did they charge to get admission? Was there admission charge or people just came in for free? Free, yeah. It, you know, it's it's always going to be a little bit dependent on the weather. You know, last year it rained, so I think it was in the 30s last year. The year before, it was they were still under COVID rules, so I think it was down to like 20. Um, I, you know, I don't think they're ever going to get 70, 80, 90,000 like they did, you know, Saban's first year. I just don't think you kind of need, like, the, the excitement of, of a new coach and a, a new program. Like, it's you're not going to get that when you have six national titles and people are just kind of happy with how things are. 
that's why Colorado got that because there's hope and there's optimism and there's excitement. And, you know, I think there's elements of that in Alabama, but at the same time, people are just kind of used to it at this point. Mike, did you leave Bryant Denny having a feeling one way or another who might be the starting quarterback or at least the edge to be the starting quarterback? Did you get any kind of feeling for it? No, I'd say I left with less certainty than I would have had going in. I think going in, if you asked me on Friday, I would have said Jalen Milrow. Not, you know, firmly, but I, I think it was certainly leaning towards Jalen Milrow. Um, and then, you know, we saw Milrow had some really good throws. There was a couple down the sideline, the Kendrick Law. He had the one to the end zone, the Manuel Henderson had that run. Um, you know, the huge hole that opened. He did have that drive at the end of the game where he had the four straight completions to Malik Benson, had the touchdown. I went back and watched that last night. <laughs> it was all walk-ons in the secondary. So he was throwing against a walk-on corner. There was a walk-on safety who was getting beat. Like, I wouldn't read too much into that final drive of the game. But, yeah, there were some good moments. But at the same time, he just he had the things that really, I think, have irritated Saban all spring when he's facing pressure in the end zone, just kind of heaves the ball up, lobs it up to Christian Story for an easy interception. Um, there's a few times where I think he ran prematurely, and that's also something that's been irritating Saban. So Saban keeps saying it all spring. You have to eliminate the mistakes before you can evaluate the good, and that hurt, I think, Jalen Milrow. And, you know, Ty Simpson had a few mistakes of his own. I think his interception to Earl Little was a really good play by Earl Little. He had some good throws. He had some throws that were dropped, which didn't help his case with the stats. But I think Ty Simpson had a better day. I think overall, Jalen Miller probably had the better spring. And so where that leaves us now, I don't know. That's just kind of the, the seesaw back and forth effect of this whole thing right now. All right. So let me put it another way. And I don't, I don't know if your answer is going to be any different, but is, is does Alabama or ha- either one of those guys capable of being the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama? Yes. Are they capable of being a starting quarterback on a national championship winning team at Alabama? in the year 2023, I think that's an open question. I think, yes, people can point to you were able to win national championships with Coker and McCarron and McElroy and those guys, but different age. Like, it's everything Nick Saban has said the past six or seven years is that this is a quarterback game. You need a passing game. You need quarterbacks. Yes, there is a, a little bit of a movement on his part to go back to a running game and be physical and all that. I think some of that's just mental um, with his players, establishing that mentality. But you still need speed. You still need explosive passing games. You still need a quarterback. Those teams are still going to go pretty far. Um, you know, I think there's elements of it with Jalen Miller. I don't know. This is his third year. Like, I don't know if it's all of a sudden just going to come together for him. Uh, as a passer, where he's going to be a national championship level passer. I think Ty Simpson can be, but it's just still, it's been 17 months with him too. Like at some point you kind of, not to say reach your ceiling, but you kind of find out how far you're going to be able to go. I don't know if either of those guys is at that level. I could be wrong, but that's, it just, when you watch Bryce and you watch Mac and Tua, it's just, there's a difference. So, um, and I'm not sure they can get, they can make up that ground. Mike Rodak, AL.com. So Mike, Auburn fans speculating maybe Freeze looks to the portal. Alabama fans speculating. But realistically, 
where are you going to are you going to find a quarterback entering the portal now that's better than what you have on campus? You're not going to get a starter coming in from another school. I wouldn't think unless extenuating circumstances or maybe maybe one of the guys at Ole Miss. I don't know with the three or four they have there. But realistically, are there any out there that you're aware of? So, I mean, there's two ways of that, that, that these things tend to happen. There's guys who just go into the portal and see what happens, and they don't really have a specific destination in mind. But there's a lot of this stuff that's happened in college football the last couple of years where guys go into the portal because they've already kind of had back-channel conversations with a new team, and they kind of know what they're offering from a financial standpoint, and that's the school they go to. Those things have happened across college football the last year, two years now. Um, so there might not be a guy in the portal, but there could be a guy who goes into the portal because he knows that opportunity is going to exist at Alabama because there's been some sort of back-channel conversations. I'm not saying that's happened, but that's how things happen in college football these days. That's just kind of the reality of it. So it, it's, it could be anybody, theoretically. Um, and I think there has been some hints from Nick Saban when he's been asked about the portal, when he's been asked about the quarterbacks the past week and a half, where he's kind of referenced, you know, if there's somebody else out there, then we're always looking to improve our team, essentially, is kind of his message. And he's not totally shooting it down. He says, yes, he has confidence in the guys that are on the team. I think every single coach, when you ask him, do you have confidence in a particular player or a particular position, they're always going to say yes. I don't get the feeling that he 100% does. And so I, I do think that possibility is open. I don't know if it would be Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know if it would be somebody else, but I, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. Yeah, I, I saw a story about Van Dyke at Miami, but then I saw a follow-up that he's staying at Miami. So, And, and I see where you're going there because he did have the reputation when he took over at Miami. But then the follow-up was that he wasn't going to enter the portal. Not that that's definitive. I mean, you never know. What about some of the positive signs, though, maybe at a different position, things that really did impress you? And yeah, just to finish that thought, too. I mean, sometimes he, he did tweet, um, you know, committed to Miami or whatever. Or, or it was actually Miami who tweeted that with his picture, and then he retweeted it. It's a little soft to me in the sense that like it's not a firm no and i think there's all obviously negotiation tactics that do happen with the transfer portal kids where like you gotta offer me more like put a better offer on the table that's how these things are working right now and it's in a lot of cases it's seven figure deals um as far as other positions you know i was listening to the broadcast with you know, the espn guys who had spoken to tommy reese we haven't had a chance to speak to him yet and they seem really high in the receivers which you know, I think, as we know, last year there wasn't that dominant guy. That was a problem. I don't know if there's that dominant guy on this team, but I think they're deep in the sense that there's six, seven guys who can play quality football for you at wide receiver. There were some drops yesterday. I think Saban kind of wrote those off as not being representative of the entire spring, that the receivers had a good spring overall in terms of catching the football. Um but I, I do think they're higher on the receivers, and I think we saw some of that uh, yesterday or on Saturday. Um, you know, I think the offensive line, too, they are also been pretty high on. You know, they said there's seven guys you can start. Um, now, with that said, Elijah Pritchett at left tackle struggled mightily in, in that game. I, I counted five sacks that he gave up uh, in that game. So I don't know if um, – how ready Caden Proctor would be, the, the freshman, the five-star kid who's huge, massive left tackle, if he, if he would be ready to start in the fall over Pritchett. But that is one position to watch as well. 
Uh, Justice Haynes, uh, I can't help but think that Saban's a, a little bit of a fan, right? Yeah, he's uh, he certainly hasn't held back. You know, sometimes he does with freshmen. Yeah, uh, maybe he did even in the uh, ESPN production meeting when they were kind of recounting that on the broadcast. They were saying, you know, they asked about Justice Haynes and Saban just kind of said he's good and then yeah. smiled and there was just kind of this pause. And both of the guys who were calling the game, you know, realized what he was saying is that he was really pleased and really excited about Justice Haynes. Just wasn't really saying it. You know, even with us, he's he's been pretty effusive in his praise. I mean, it's been um, a situation where you have to wonder if you're Jason McClellan or if you're Roy Dell Williams, is Nick Saban going to try to get that guy in the field over you? I think especially with Roy Dell Williams, because I think he's a little bit more limited in terms of his explosive ability. Um, you know, I think a combination of McClellan and Haynes as kind of your one-two punch would be pretty good. And, you know, I, it's tough to go. I know people ideally think you can use three or four running backs, but most games they're kind of rotate between two. And maybe a third guy gets in there here and there, gets in there late in the game, but kind of have to narrow it down to two. And I, if I'd put money on it, I would say it would be McClellan and Haynes. Michael, let me ask you something. As we back up on the subject of quarterbacks, aren't these spring games slanted towards the defense to begin with? Um, you know, to some extent, I think it's certainly simple on offense. I think they're afraid to kind of show plays that other teams can draw up and have down themselves um, to study, you know, your or your opponent. Um, then there's, there's definitely a few plays where, you know, you have Malachi Moore blitzing off the edge. There was a few, a few of those sacks came on double inside linebacker blitzes. I mean, the defenses were doing things that weren't totally simple. Um, they were kind of coming after those quarterbacks a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it, it sometimes is. Um, sometimes it's, you know, you see it both ways in spring games. But in this particular one, I would say, yeah, there was, there was more complexity to what they're doing defensively than uh, what they're trying to do offensively. Hey, Mike, uh, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, never a dull moment. Uh, I know you guys will be focusing on the draft moving up. How can people uh... – Continue to follow your coverage of all things Alabama. Yeah, al.com, uh, the Alabama page, and um, at Twitter, at Mike Rodak. Hey, have a great week. Thanks, Mike. You got it. Thank you. It's Mike Rodak, ladies and gentlemen. All right, one final segment. Uh, we'll tell you about our WNSP draft party. Uh, it's set for Thursday. We'll tell you where, whether, why you should be there. And... Uh, We'll set the table for the rest of the day, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show as well. The opening kickoff, one final segment right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. One final segment, it's 848. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday. Reminder, on Thursday, we want you to join us at our NFL WNSP NFL Draft Party. We're at Walk-Ons. That's right. We'll be broadcasting the final drive. Michael and Corey will be out there from 3 to 6. Then it's our WNSP Draft Challenge. I'm assuming you can submit during their party 
uh, or during yeah, their show, you Nick. Just have to do it before seven before All right. the draft starts. So Triple G will be out there. I'm coming out there. We're gonna drag. We're gonna see if Lee has any social plans. He might have some social plans that day. You never know with Lee. Anyway, we had a meeting. You uh, you get out there. You submit your top ten. There's gonna be some convoluted way that Nick comes up with the uh, the <laughs> it's final not that points. Convoluted. All right. And up for grabs, you get a Traeger grill. That's right. The Traeger grill from um, um, Bailey's TV. And Thank you. And then we're doing the Bryce Young jersey from the vault. All grand prize. For and, the w- and. And. And wait, there's more. And wait. If you order now. Any, anyone who comes in and hangs out gets a free T-shirt. Yeah. So you're guaranteed to walk away with something. How about that? Walk in, walk out. That's right. That's like when uh, Mike Rodak said the uh, last drive by Milro, a bunch of walk-ons yeah. out there. Well, you can walk on and get yourself a Bryce Jersey t-shirt. Sounds good. Not How a about t-shirt, that? But so a you jersey. get a WNSP t-shirt. And if you get there early enough, you got options. There are multiple colors. So I'm just, I'm just throwing that out right. there. I don't know if I'm breaking any 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 secret here, but... If I filled out a bracket, I, I use the term bracket. Let's say the top ten. Let's say I got like eight names, but not necessarily in order of the team. So where do I get my credit? Yeah, Nick. Wait, what? So how are, I, how are you how are you how are you pointing this? Like how oh, are we scoring this? If you're if you match up the pick and the player perfectly, perfectly, ten points. Ten points. If you're off by one pick, either higher or lower, just one. Five points. Five points! And then whatever sheet has the most points that's been filled out will win the grill. So if if I'm too off, I don't get any points? No points for that. All right. So there is a little bit of a consolation there. You do get the, the five points. All right. What happens if there is hypothetically a tie? There's a tie. Then we'll do a random drawing between the two or like three or however many tie. Okay. And then that will be deemed the winner of the $1,200 Traeger Grill. And and we're going to do the drawing for the Bryce Young jersey the moment he's drafted. So Oh, so that's separate. Oh, okay, that's my bad. So that's yeah, separate. Yeah, separate. So when Bryce Young's drafted, we'll do a drawing for everyone that's there. However many people are there, that's the only people that will be included in that drawing. So you how got do two you two separate prizes, two separate competitions? So how do you and get, you get a free T-shirt? How do you get the? How do you get all those that are there at that point in the drawing? They have to go ahead and register at that point. He, you're just gonna come around with a hat and say, "Hey, put your yeah." Name like on this. when when it's starting, I think we all can assume he's either going one or two. I'm, I think it's pretty and it's fair. Pretty much guaranteed he's gonna go one. Everyone who's there at that first pick will get your name, put it in a box. You're in that drawing. Pull it out. Congrats. Pause. You win. Hopefully. All right. But you can still win by not being there at the end as far as the uh, grill, right? You don't have to yes. be there. Yeah. For the grill, you just got to stop by, fill it out, and that's all you got to do for that. All right. So that's Thursday. And, so and unlimited people. Unlimited. Bring your friends. You know, if y'all want to all kind of like take turns, maybe pass the grill around every other weekend or something, you can do that. Traeger custody. There you go. <laughs> I get I get her on weekends. Woo-hoo! I get her every second weekend. I like it. Uh, by the way, Nick, 
who I like to prove wrong from time to time, is guaranteeing that everybody gets a T-shirt. But I'll let you in on, enough, on a secret. If enough people show up, that could prove to be a problem. So let's prove Nick wrong and get out there Jeez. and not get a T-shirt. <laughs> That'll show him. If, if you come out and we're out of T-shirts, then we really pack the house out. And give me your name and number, and I'll owe you would one, you, and I'll ship uh, it to would you. Would you give the shirt off your back to somebody who complained that they didn't get one? And then what? Just hang out? Yeah, uh, basically. In my shorts the rest of the night? Whatever. <laughs> to take care of uh, our listener who might... Sun's out, a... guns out. Why not? Am I right? Yeah, that's right. It's 7 o'clock at night. What oh, if they whatever. come up to you and say, Nick, I went to Mary G. Montgomery. I was promised a t-shirt. I really think you're the greatest on the show. Can I have your shirt? I'd say, hey, buddy, you're like the 10th person who's told me that today. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I, I don't know if I can do that. So, you'd be you. like, Mom, leave me alone. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be borderline stalkerish. Yeah. Has anyone asked for the cl clothes off your back, Lee? In any fan? Never. Uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> Mr. Shervanian, Mr. Shervanian, can I have that shirt? Please, I've never please. been asked. So you've never, so Pete Davidson, so, so one fan at the Knicks game was just being a little too huggy. Like he was trying to take a, a, um, a selfie with some other fans and dude just kept trying to hug him. Finally, Davidson just like shoved him away and it went viral. Like 1.6 million people have seen this video. You've never had a run in with a fan, Lee, where no. you had to like back off, back up no. off me. I, w I once did a game while I was broadcasting, I think, Rutgers at the time, but I had this guy that would come by and just steal my press guides. <laughs> I'm like, hey, can you give it back? I mean, just come and swipe it. By the way, I often wondered about these celebrities at Did games. you get it back from him? I can't even remember. Probably not. Did you throw hands with the guy? No, I mean, I was in the middle of a broadcast, so I certainly couldn't leave the microphone. Let me, let me just – do you think the um, these guys – these celebrities at games, whether it be the Knicks, the Lakers, do they pay top dollar or do, do they get free tickets or or what? Now, some of them I know will buy a season's long, but I'm just talking about they all of a sudden appear in playoff games. You know what I mean? So, like, I saw Aaron Judge was at the game. Uh, you met Pete Davidson. I know Spike Lee's a regular at Nick games and people like that. Do they get – I'm curious if they get uh, tickets just to enhance – the uh, the broadcast. No, I, that that's assuming that those tickets were not already sold or bought from somebody. No, I'm sure they got them from some third party vendor. I'm sure. He, I'm I'm not sure. Pete Pete Davidson's not on Seat Geek or whatever. Going, man, I gotta find. I'm sure he's got people to get him tickets. Oh, I'm sure he does I'm too. Sure but I'm pay. wondering if they have to pay top dollar. Sure. Like we would have to. Sure. I mean, they can afford it. So. Very true. Uses income tax right How how awkward is it? I couldn't help but. I don't know. They've done this over the last couple of years, right? Especially in NBA games, you'll see where they basically move the teams to the end line almost essentially, right? But there's always that one assistant coach that's on that first seat next to a fan. Have y'all noticed this? I was watching last night. I couldn't help but notice how much would that kind of suck to have the other team's fans sitting right there on courtside and you're in that first seat next to them. Apparently it's not a big guy. It's not a big I didn't know. I, I know at the I Atlanta Hawks games at the end of the bench, the very last player on the bench, there's two fan seats right next to that player. Yeah. Those are the ones taking bets. <laughs> Maybe.
Does it bother you? I, did you watch the Knicks game yesterday? No, I don't watch the Knicks. All right. Because I, I know I'm going to get three hours of Knicks and New York coverage when I come in here, so I don't watch. Hardly ever talk about them. It's only this last couple days that they're actually— No, you were excited that they were in the playoffs. Morning he gets a little bit of New York. They haven't won a, a playoff series Knicks. since 2013. You see, when I—and you, you accuse me, and you're, you're saying you're not talking. Here we are talking about them. Well, I can't—if you haven't seen it, then I can't ask you if you're bothered by something. So it, okay. I'll just let it go. Let, let's, let's move on. Julius Randle is my least favorite player in the NBA. <laughs> really? Why? I'm just not a fan. He's a crybaby. He thinks he's better than he is. That's half the league. His son's a crybaby. Are we talking about LeBron? No, he's talking about Julius Randle. Who's he played for? Julius. See, Lee, there you go again. I like Jalen Brunson, though. I like Josh Hart. Don't like Julius Randle. Okay. But didn't you just really exp- describe half the league, though? Thinks he's better than he is, cries all the time. Nah, man, Julius Randle. What player doesn't cry out there? My gosh, you just you said that about Doncic a while back. Yeah, w- w- Luke is the worst. Yeah, Luke it. is pretty bad with the refs. Luke is real bad. And, that, and that's come from me. If I'm saying he's By bad with the refs, way, he's bad with the refs. We Luke all love Luka, right? Would Dallas be in the playoffs if Brunson had stayed there and instead of getting Kyrie Irving? Yeah, because they would have also kept Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. So, Very yeah, they would have definitely been in there. What do you got going on tomorrow? I'll be here. Six. Actually, four o'clock. Waiting <laughs> for you. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Rathman speaking about the NBA. <laughs> oh, good. Bob was, uh, yeah, like his uh, Hawks yesterday. He was all all in. It may be his last game tomorrow night Uh-oh. for the season. No. Uh, Travis Ryer on Alabama. And we got a couple of... Uh, well, David Morris is going to talk about the quarterbacks in the draft. How about that? We go How right to the, the source. All right. So we got another good one shaping up for tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to WNSP for uh, Triple G and for Lee. I'm Mark. That does it. The opening kickoff until tomorrow at 6. See ya.